0: The D.N. Davis Show. D.N. Davis Show. It's time to kick up your sports talk week with us. On a Wednesday, so I guess it's not the beginning, but it's the middle, but it's the beginning because it's us doing it. You know you like it. We got a lot to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit about the NCAA, not a little, a lot about the NCAA with uh, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight with brackets being busted. I know Mines was busted. Scott Phillips is coming back to the show. You can always check him out at Phillips Hoops and also at College Basketball Talk NBC. He's going to join us to break down the Final Four, who's going to win, who's going to lose, and who's getting out coached. Then we're going to switch over to a little MLB and we're going to have former player and former manager Bobby Valentin is going to join us to break down what he's up to in the MLB season with opening day just passing last week. I am Kenneth Davis and the voice you hear next is
1: D. What's going on? It's Damon Spurl. Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter at DN Davis Show. Once again, it's at DN Davis Show. Instagram, Twitter, we are there. Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. D and Davis, show, D and Davis Show at gmail.com. There you go. If you want to hit us up on an old school email, you can download the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. I'm on Twitter at Demons1. Ken is on Twitter at That's Davis. New! Nice. And new! Executive producer of the show, one Mr. Ryan B. Ryan, damn it! Hold on wait a minute. Say the same one more time, Brian. Book of Vet Ski. Book of
2: vetski
0: Wait, Book of Vesky?
1: Book of
2: Vet Ski.
0: Wait, it's Vesky. Vet Ski. It's Vet Ski.
2: Mm-hmm. So VT Ski.
1: Yes. Book Vet. Uh, book of Vet Ski. Booker. Yeah. Like book T. Yeah. <laughs> I'll use my so wait, wait. references. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, Booker. Like Booking a Vet. So Book of Vet Book of Vet Exactly.
1: Yeah. Ski. <laughs> there you go. Ryan Bukoveski, new executive producer of The Dean Davis Show. Follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Beeski.
0: Nasty. Ryan B. Ski. Did you mean for that to be nasty? Yep.
2: Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and in studio Plead with the us,
0: fap. also producer of
1: um, one Mr. Dean Davis, the flip who's been down since day one. One Mr. Sydney Brown. You can follow Sid on Twitter at SidKid80 and read all his articles on WeareGalRadio.com. Hello, Sydney. What's good, fam? Hey, um, Cindy and I went to the Blackhawks game last night, and I was told Sid downstairs, It's the first time I've seen you back to back days
3: since we was in high school. This is kind of weird, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> As you do something positive and what we want to do for once instead of doing other stuff, but that's a whole nother show. Where the hell
0: is this going?
3: I had no idea, but I was, was going be- to
1: the, I was going to the Blackhawks game. Come on, come on now. I was going to the Blackhawks game. We had a very good time. Uh, last night, we went to go see the Hawks, my very first Hawks game. Um, shout out to Sid for bringing it up. It's like, you know what? Let's go ahead and catch one. Uh, win against the Winnipeg Jets. Lost in overtime. But I will say this. I'm definitely going again. If you have never been to a Black Hawks game, definitely go. Make sure you bring a sweater because it was cold as hell in there. I didn't think we was in the 300 levels, and I didn't think it was going to be that cold. And I didn't think I was going to feel that ice in there like that. But uh, no, man, overall, everybody around us was good. Uh, good time. Uh, Sid and I was on WGN standing behind Dan Rowan. He's doing a pregame show. Uh, so that was kind of cool. And uh, What was nah, cool about it? Because we was on TV again. I didn't see you. Well, you didn't see us, but a lot of people did.
0: Hey, I mean, D, yeah, there on, you go. You're on TV. What's being a— I get when people that aren't on TV get that little TV shot behind somebody. You're on TV. I'm on TV. But it was something new. It was a new environment. Yeah. Just wanted to see, like, hey, did you see me? <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, hey. And if you don't believe us, go to d and Davis show on Twitter and you'll see the evidence right there. There you go. So no, man, it was a really good time. I would definitely say mm. next
1: season uh, we can kind of do like a show outing. I know we want to try to do something baseball. We're all huge baseball fan, baseball fans in here. But we should definitely do a Blackhawks game. Mm. Damn good time. It was a good time.
2: Favorite part of the entire experience? Um, <sighs> Favorite part. It was more so the, the intro to the game
1: is... Like no other, and it was you know saying with the uh, the national anthem and actually being in there when the crowd is going crazy as he's singing it, that was really cool. But the one thing I was uh, the one thing that really struck me was how quiet it is during the game. Now I've been to plenty of basketball games at the United Center and the Chicago uh, Stadium for the Chicago Bulls, but it's quiet during the play. It was it's the weirdest thing. I didn't expect that. And then when it's stoppage to play, then everybody kind of get up go do whatever, and then they have like the the games on the on the uh, on the Megatron or Titan, whatever you call it, uh, like the Dunkin' Donut race, and I think it was the Derby, for mm-hmm. Hawthorne, where they have a, a sponsorship with the Blackhawks. But uh, but no, that was probably the that was probably the weirdest thing because I never never seen anything like that. How quiet it was, and everybody's very focused, and kind of and you know saying when there's a play mm-hmm. a play is done or, or something happens like oh, then it's like quiet hmm. again. So that was probably the most interesting part. I would say that. That was probably the most interesting part. But overall, man, it's a damn good time. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. Alright, so Ken, yeah. what you got for us? I don't know, because I don't know what y'all doing this year. It, it's called uh, opening up, talking about <laughs> yeah, what happened. A sports. <laughs> it's it's called a... Uh, it a terrible open.
0: Uh, Cuba releases the first players eligible to sign an MLB draft. This just came across. Hmm. Yeah, so now they're set, instead of players having to sit there and have coyotes, sneak them uh, from Cuba here to America, usually they take them through Mexico or when they go on international trips abroad, they do it there. They release their first players that are eligible to sign MLB contracts. Uh, big time deals. Now, the question is will these players be able, are they going to be able to sign as free agents or do they go into the draft? 34 players are between the ages of 17 and 25. This is from ESPN, meaning they will all be eligible to sign minor league contracts. Minor league salaries start at $850 a month, uh, but signing bonuses for top players exceed $1 million. Hundreds of other international amateurs sign for $10,000 or less. That's pretty good for Cuban baseball. Players. Yeah,
1: if you coming from nothing, hitting at him being able to do it right to the MLB, yeah, that is a big that's a big story. Sports Center, our Jeff Passan reporting that the Braves and their 21 year old outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. are finalizing an eight year, one hundred million dollar contract extension. This, despite the fact that Acuna has played in just 115 big league games, although he has hit 27 home runs in that time. So Atlanta cementing its future with this investment.
0: Big news of the day when it comes to MLB, a phenomenal uh, le- rookie last year, Ronald Acuna Jr. signed a $100 million extension. It can, it can add up to $100 million. Mm-hmm. Similar to what happened with Eloy, those last two years are really the years that pop, even though this is 100 mil, so it's more than that. But the the last two uh, options of those years, I believe, is $17 million, and then it includes a $10 million buyout. But look, and the, difference from, the for difference from Eloy is Acuna Jr., proved it last year Mm -hmm. how great he was or how great he may be. I believe looking at his stats last year, like the only p- person that that hasn't gotten into the Hall of Fame is either Caline or Caligny, or I can't remember. But looking Who at was what rookie he, of the year, yes, yeah, no. As far as the numbers he put up last oh, okay, year, okay. The only p- people that aren't in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. is, he, is either or. I'm sure I'm wrong, but it's is either or. So just looking at it, and it definitely when we talk to Bobby Valentine a little bit later, be interesting to find out how, what he thinks about some of these players. I know when we're talking to Tom Thayer outside, I mentioned that um, in the past I've heard him say the players should be on one year contracts. Which I would think the players kind of majority of the players probably wouldn't want to be because you want some type of security. No, you want security. Yeah. It's I
1: almost kind of like playing in the NFL. You know, it's said, a lot yeah. like the plant. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like. Even though
0: d- uh, the the thing about the NFL is the guaranteed money gives you kind of security the first couple years. Usually, it actually it will go longer. But now we see in situations like Antonio Brown, where teams are now more mm-hmm. willing to eat that money that they wouldn't have eaten when they want to just separate, cut ties with the player like that. But it's a lot of money being moved out. I I tweeted out. I know you and uh, Cheryl Ray Stout commented on it. Uh, it, to me, it seems like this is the MLB making a, a direct effort to kind of please the players or kind of, I won't say necessarily please them, please them, but hurt the union in a way as far as giving these young players money. So the argument that, you know, the controllable years part as far as arbitration and where players aren't getting paid young and we know older vets when they hit 30 aren't getting paid, now they're starting to show, hey, we're paying these young players before it's their time. In a lot of ways, but this one is different though, slightly from Eloy. But a lot of ways, it's still not the amount of money that they would coop. Their deals are similar to the um, Tulwinski, Evan Longoria, Chris Sale, Quintana deals where, yeah, you get some security. Mm-hmm. This is real money right here, $100 million. Even though he would have made, he, he made more if he waited out. But that's, that's, that's closer to real money compared to some of the deals. There's another player with the Rockies. I just saw a guy Shana, Jermaine Marquise uh, agreed to a five-year, $43 million contract extension uh, pending the physical Mm-hmm. Out of ESPN too. And it's just, you know, again, these these teams, especially the teams, and we know they did this with Arnado, the teams that know that they don't have as much money, even though all these teams have money. They got money. Look at when I when I mentioned the Tula Whiskey, Evelyn Gory, that was the Rockies with Tula Whiskey, and you have the Rays, a team that we know is cash struck in the A L East with those big markets trying to get to those players earlier. It seems like, and I know Rick Hahn was on Lawrence Home show today. Shout out to Mitch for letting us record here at Six Seventy score um, which was pretty good. Make sure you check out Joe Madden and the Rick Hahn interviews on Lawrence Home show uh, mm-hmm. here at noon at Six Seventy score But it was, it's pretty cool to see that these teams are doing it, and, and it lets you know that, and I don't think any of us thought signing Elo was foolhardy, but it also gives you even more positive vibes as far as that signing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is kind of like they're
1: almost circumventing, the owners are almost circumventing, circumventing the union. Because if you come to somebody, or come to a young player, in the case of Eloy, who hasn't taken a, by that time, hasn't taken a, uh, took a swing in the major leagues, major leagues, mm-hmm. and then you have the young kid down in Atlanta, but if you go to them and say, hey, listen, I give you $100 million right now, what 21-year-old, what young player, what person, damn near, is going to be like, you know what, nah. no. I'm going to wait and I'm going to play out these next five or six years when my contract is fully up and then going through arbitration. And then I'm going to bank on myself. So it's, it's very smart business-wise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of like, why, why not just give them the money now? And I can give them less money because they don't have any money. And so it makes, it, it, definitely, it, makes, it makes sense for them to do it. But as I said, we were talking to Tom Thayer before we started the show. And uh, you kind of ask the question, at least from baseball, free agency, but kind of like free agency, period, yeah, especially him, in baseball. Ask him yeah. do the
0: vets care as much about who's coming behind them. Or what, is, or,
1: or what did Kurt Flood really do? I mean, he was looking towards the future. He was thinking about the future. I didn't ask him that. I, I said I asked
0: him that.
4: No,
1: you stated it. No, I okay, all right, I stated it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. So it's like, you know, what did, he actually, what did Kurt Flood actually do? Because he was looking towards the future. He was looking to the future of these players because right now it's almost kind of like, I don't want to say it's a crab in a bucket kind of mentality. Barrel. But barrel, I'm stick. thank you. A barrel, in a, a crab in a barrel mentality. But it's kind of like, hey, listen, man, I'm worried about mine. And when you don't have a strong union to lead you and say like, no, we're not going to do this. Shout out Tony Clark. And you, yeah, and if and if you're, uh, we're not going to do this. And no, we're going to stick to this, and we're going to stick to these contracts. Or, we, or you just get a damn new, a damn, a damn good collective bargaining agreement to begin with, so you have to worry about all this. What do you expect these young players to do?
0: Yeah, and real quick, if anybody was hating on that, I remember back when Mike Trout signed that deal, there were people like, man, what he could have gotten. It's predicting what? Funny part. What Bryce Harper would get this past offseason. Mm-hmm. But then you saw, and people were like, well, you only got 180 as far as I think it's close to what Mike Trout at mm-hmm. least got. But then you saw Mike Trout, because he's the greatest player of this era, right. double back and get almost a half a billion dollars, which I'm sure Ron DeCuna is like projecting how great I'm going to be that in four, five years, I'm going to be back on the table. Look at, look, we, now who's mm-hmm. really left? Now you have Mookie Betts and you have Chris Bryant. He Bryan. ain't going nowhere. Yeah, you, they just signed think, Xander Bogart the other day. Yeah. And if they gave Xander that money, they're, they're, they're allocating, the, allocating the funds to Red Sox, the funds that they need to to make sure they can pay Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. All right, You gave Chris Sell that money. I wonder how these contracts are staggered I would be interested in. I would be really interested in, and it doesn't seem like it happens a lot, maybe in football a little bit more, how often players along with the team stagger contracts to allow the team to have some flexibility in years. Like, you know, we'll pay you this much this year. We're going to take a little bit off and come back next year so that we can move around and pay this. Player, if you can kind of stagger it. If, if the As, as the long as the, player, asked, can, as long as the mean, player can get their, their total amount of money. 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 You True. know what I'm saying? So that and I know in I football mean, it's easier because you can move it into making a cap bonus and stuff right. like that, roster bonus right. and stuff like that.
1: I mean, it's definitely a conversation they're definitely gonna have with their agent and a player to try to see if they can move that actually do that. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you're the team, you definitely you definitely ask those questions. Uh, but man, listen, I, I I'm very curious to see. If the union's going to say, hey, all right, we're about to, we to go on straight. They're not. Or this is just a trend of what's going to happen. You get you these five-star stud, five stud players in your minor league system. And all right, yeah, we, we can see. Or maybe have a rookie of the year and say, oh, yeah, he's going to be that dude. Let's lock him up right now. Let's give him the 100, maybe 125 million dollars and let him bake on himself even further out in the future, but we have
0: him locked up between 8 to 10 years. The only problem I have as far as now, it seems like there won't be a strike, and we've seen him strike all this past offseason. We thought it was going to happen. Everybody's getting paid. Yeah. Like, and and, and look, you're still going to have, when I say everybody, you're still mm. going to have the, a lesser than this player. You're still going to have the guys that were in like JT Martinez's situation. He's a greater player than this, but that slugger, who is 30, 31, perhaps, who is not gonna get the extension he used to, those guys are still gonna be upset. But when you're paying off these young guys and these supreme talented, early young vets are getting paid $300 million and up. It's going to be hard to galvanize an entire union to sit there and sit out of that money. I think the owners are almost kind of pitting them against each other. That's No, that's what I was saying. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying as far as it, that's the point, mm-hmm. to sit there and and it, to make the unions, uh, I won't say dissolve, but you're weakening whatever they can go and tell the players on why they'll miss money. Right. All right. Hey, listen, It's like I said, it's is business. It's a very shrewd business move by the owners. Yes, it
1: is. But if you know that you can get them locked up and these younger players are going to they're gonna take it. Why not? Why? Why? Why in the? Why in the world would you turn on a hundred million dollars? You'd be a fool not to because it's guaranteed. Especially in baseball, it's guaranteed. You might not even turn out to be this, Azuna might not even turn out to be what he thinks he's gonna be. His numbers might not be paying out for, I, I think they will, but let's say two, three years down the line, he's not even a player that everyone thought is going to be. But you know what? You got $100 million in the bank.
0: But I mean, chances of that happening are my new. No, I'm saying no, that. I'm not saying you're even saying you, that. But
1: you think about it, though. No, it's but, like, damn, what if something happens to me? I can break my leg. I can do this. I can do that. I can go through a slump. Maybe something happened. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all these different variables. And the owner's got to be in the ear like, man, you know this can happen.
0: You know, you know, man, you better take this money. He's under contract to twenty twenty six, and then Ooh. those, those I know. But we're, he's twenty one, right? It's twenty twenty almost right now. That's the thing. Oh,
1: it's a playing of an yeah, eye. time is time it's 2020 is, is 2020 quick. right
0: yeah, now. Yeah, so it's right around the corner. But I mean, listen, man, the Braves know, and they've been setting up this window, mm-hmm. if, as far as what they're trying to do. But man, with this kid, this might be the trend, done, dude. This sh- might be the trend. Yeah, listen. Only Caligirro uh, wasn't wasn't in the Hall of Fame, and these are players in their, uh, that that before twenty one had twenty five home runs mm-hmm. uh, before they were twenty one, and also with uh I guess sixty something RBIs. But yeah. I mean, man, listen. It's it's actually not if a bad time to be you, a baseball fan. Let me ask you this. except if you're in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, it's early. <laughs> right, now, right now, it's, now. it's early. early. It's early. But if you was an owner,
1: it's no it's no way in hell you wouldn't do this, right? Oh, for them? No, no, no. I'm just saying for you. If you the owner for a said baseball. It depends on t- my market. Team. It depends on the well,
0: market that I'm in and how phenomenal. Like in players like uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Elo Jimenez, uh, um, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., mm-hmm. uh, Ronald Acuna, yeah, I'm going to give them this money. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they're in the rarest of air. You know what I'm saying? So, guys, it's a step lower. Dude, you're going to have to spend about two years in the majors before we're going to talk about this. Two or three, probably. Yeah, before we're going to talk about me giving you this type of money. Because what you said, as far as if somebody gets hurt, you know, we want to be on the hook. But a, a star phenomenon. I mean, look, oh, Rick Hall was talking about on the Lauren Show today. There will be bad times, and some of it won't work out. You like some oh, it's of these all the crap shoot. Yeah, some it's of all the these players shoot. won't be the, the player that you mm-hmm. necessarily expected them to be. But it especially could be small it. market teams, it could be. <laughs> could I be. doubt it. Right, I doubt but it especially too, but it small be. market teams. I know Jason Benetti. I forgot. How I was listening to. Um, I was watching the White Sox game, and someone was talking about. Uh, oh no! It was the White Sox playing nationally on ESPN yesterday, and one of the announcers was saying how. Jason Benetti says the only thing to stop Eloy is as far as he gets hurt, that that's basically how great he's projecting him to be. Mm-hmm. The only thing that can stop his greatness is injury, basically. Yeah. I trust Jason Benetti a little bit. Yeah, oh yeah, no so, doubt. So no, I, I, I feel that. I was sitting there on um, Sports Feed Sunday, and um, I went in there, and funny thing, I mean, I went in there, and I thought of a funny thing about you. Uh, sit there, and uh, shout out to Larry Howley. Larry had sit there and hit me with what the show was going to be about. And I sit down. And it was NCAA. Was he, he wasn't there. No, he, was he wasn't there. Oh, okay. It was NCAA, Jordan Howard, and some Bulls. And I sit there in the beginning of the show and I look. First, I talked to, the, the, to uh, Vic, who we're going to have on the show. Uh, Vic, we had a good time chatting up, talking about hitting up a bar, do something sports-wise. Okay. So we're going to do something like that with him and his guys. Uh, he's he's a part of the Action Network. Mm-hmm, HQ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, You tweet us all the time. He was sitting there. And um, I heard him talking. He's like, yeah, they called me in real quick. And I'm talking, like, Bears and NCAA. And I'm thinking, like, well, they don't usually have two guests talking the same things, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm sitting there talking, you know, Dan Rohn and and uh, Josh or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Jared comes in. So then sit there. I sit there, and I'm you know, waiting for the segment to start. And I see the highlights playing, and it's the Cubs. I said, oh, really? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but the, it was so great because I, I was talking to Josh, and they were talking. So every segment— after every segment, Jeremy would be like, we need a third segment. We need more of this, right? He would say mm-hmm. we need more of this. And um, I was talking to Josh at the end, and I had mentioned, I was like, yeah, I didn't know I was going to tell him to talk about it. And it wasn't as a knock, because I think he was like, yeah, sometimes Larry doesn't tell us. I love, actually love the fact that that happened, because it was just training. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? As far as, I mean, you're supposed to be able to do talk whatever. anything. about anything. Anything. So it was, right. it was good training. And since... I hadn't had a chance to talk about the socks, and I just, good old-fashioned. And the worst part, I get out of the show. I hate to say this, and we'll talk about this later, and I don't mean to be selfish when I say this. So I get out the show, and I'm thinking, like, I wonder if the guys was watching that one, because it would be interesting for what their thoughts are or whatever. And I open up my phone, and that's when all of y'all are talking about Nipsey yeah. Hussle yeah. getting shot. And I'm like, yeah. why? I'm sitting in that WGN parking lot like, why? You didn't tell me they got security gates now. Oh, Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was... You know what,
3: Sid? Did they have security gates when you pulled up? Yeah, but it wasn't working, so I just drove right in there.
1: Okay. So, no, you know what? I think one time, the past time I went, I think they were up, but they weren't working. Okay. So when I pulled up, I'm like, damn, these things are down. I completely... (laughs) But this I believe you forgot about that. I forgot about that. But yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. You had to hit the button like, yes. Yeah, like, I
0: drove around because I was like, wait, they got another opening I don't know about? <laughs> yeah. And then I came back and I was like, all right, can't no, hit the it. button. That's it, yeah. But the good yeah. part, you could just walk in now. Yeah, you can. Because they was like, all right. And they buzz you in when you walk into the door. Oh, I
1: still have to ring the bell.
0: No, nah, they got me walking in. Oh, okay, man. Yeah, they him. got okay. me walking.
1: So oh, You know like, what? He probably to, saw me, but I, I hit yeah. the button anyway.
3: Yeah, I had to buzz in because it was my first time. So I thought you had to walk in as well. It's like, oh, no door was open. No, so I, yeah, you, I used to use the buzzer. And that's I was like, guessing.
1: Yeah. And I, they walk you in. But yes, they now have security gates, so nobody can just walk up at
0: WGN. You know what? Crazy <laughs> thing. <and not laughs> well, least at least in the parking lot. And another thing with the security features and like this, and we've seen what happened with that newspaper. Um, about six or seven months ago where the guy went to the newsroom and just started, she was shooting off and stuff like that, remember? Was that this past year? It was last, was last year. it was yes, six yeah. or seven mm-hmm, months mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But this is the thing. I went to visit my brother. Shout out to my, my younger brother. Uh, all well wishes from everybody. I went yes, to visit yes. him Friday, and I, he's at Rush. And the lady asked me, she's like, could you move over? And they got this little camera. I was like, can you take this picture? Ask me for my license and scan the back of it. So when she did that, I was like, what's going on? And she's like, you know, we, we. I was like, how long has this been up? Because I know i come here. This isn't mm-hmm. up. She's like, it's been up since like the 4th. Mm-hmm. I was like, why? She said, mercy. I said, oops, I forgot. You're right. And it made me think about that going to WGN yeah. and just how crazy the world is and someone wanting to make some stupid message to get out there. You, yeah. in media in general. You're, or And hell, everywhere needs to be more secure. It's Unfortunately, right. how things are right now. No, listen, when you park at the
1: Aon building here in downtown Chicago, they tell you to open up your trunk and they take your license to scan it. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, every time at the Aeon, it's like open your trunk, sir. It's yes, no problem. Click, can't get your ID? Here you go, no problem. They like scan it and look at something. It's like hand it back to you. Close your trunk. Okay, you're good to go. I'm like, all right, because I I don't know when that when that was implemented. I mean,
0: when did it happen to you? It just recently this happened. I've been doing
1: this episode. Like if I drive down here every once in a it's while, it's always been like that. That's always been like that. Yeah. I I mean, when I was interning here at the Score. I think the one time I parked down was in the Pru and I didn't have to do that. Yeah.
0: Don't um, <laughs> tell the Prue's security is lax.
1: What? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. Now I haven't. I haven't parked in the Pru. It's like a fortress down there.
0: <laughs> I haven't parked in the Pru in years. Okay. But Aeon, oh no, you got to get you got to get scanned. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've never driven out of the Aeon. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now I've only been in there when we was walking your family over there, and it was hot as you know what in that parking garage that day. Yeah. Yeah, just that was too hot. Dog, get the dog out the car. Hot. <laughs> like, that was, like, I don't know. I guess you guys don't want people hanging around down here, but I don't think this is safe. If my car's on the other side of this bad boy, we
1: was we was down there with the people, when the shadow people, with us. We was
0: that far deep down. <laughs> we
3: was down deep. We gotta
0: make it out of here. Wait, real quick. It was this time that we were we came down here, and what was going on down here? That time, me, you, and Kyle had to walk all That's the way. That's what you, back. I thought you were talking about. No, no, no. I was talking about the time we walked your family, me, and me and Tony walked when uh, you, Chanel and them we walked yeah, to A.I. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was the same time we talked No, no, no. About. Oh, we, I'm talking about the times? time. No, no. What was the time where me, you, and Kyle, Kyle came down right. here to do a show? And I didn't think my cousin was going to make it. Yeah. And it was. I was like, dude, did you hear him huff? And we, so we park, I, I park in Lakeside. This is a part of Millennium Garages. For anybody that knows this area, oh, we had to sit there and walk all the way through Millennium Park Garage, which is like three, like four, no, I think it's like eight stories. Yeah, it's deep. Like it eight stories down. all through this garage and walk all the way to Cross Over into Lakeside. And Kyle, he kept up, but he was done. And I that, had sports feet. I think I had sports feet the next day. I lost about four pounds that day. <laughs> <laughs> I looked good on that episode. I was like, I looked skinnier right there. Uh, it wasn't St. Patrick's it, Day. No, was? it wasn't. Because it, was, it wasn't a whole year ago. Like it was, it was during like the fall time. It was during the fall when this took place. Did we have a Thanksgiving Day parade down here? What I don't know, that? but it was like, damn. We was like, well, I mean, we were walking. Everything was closed we were on. And I was sitting there, and I, we had gotten out at one point, and I told them, I'm like, look, we were on Lower, uh, Lower Randolph. I was like, if we walk up and go there, we may be able to do it. And he's like, nah, let's go this way. And once we start going our way, it's like, all right, we're going to really go now. Since we're going to go deep up in here, we're going to go deep. Damn, up. now you got like, me thinking. You basically had to,
2: like, we had to keep walking until we felt the air. Like, I, f- I feel a breeze. I see daylight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> cow, get up, Kyle, get up. Like trapped in a cave or something exactly. like that. It, it felt like it.
1: Uh, I forgot what holiday. It was something we going We needed on like that. five yeah.
0: spelunkers to come yeah. and get us about it. That was, a, that was a good time. We got a little exercise. That's we
1: little definitely got some. I was just worried about cows. Like, <sighs> <sighs> <laughs> Shout out to me. <laughs> I should have been like, you want me to just stay here and I go get the kind of come back? It was something because we, then we couldn't go into other air. And... We had to go back through there
0: to do it. Yeah, All that, right, was, look, that was wild. We're going to jump into some NCAA Final Four. Scott Phillips is coming back to the show. You know him from College Basketball Talk on NBC and Phillip Hoops. Dean Davis.
4: What's up, Chicago? This is Chris Sosa from Red
0: Eye,
5: and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show.
0: Dean Davis recording from 6-7 to score. Right now on the line, we have Scott Phillips, College Basketball Talk on NBC, and also always check out Phillip's Hoops. Scott, how you
5: doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate yeah, it.
0: Yeah, we always appreciate it, man. Listen. My bracket was busted. Duke lost. Who'd you have? <laughs> yeah, dude. Listen, I, actually, I was on Sports Feed watching it with the reporters down there, and and it was I'm watching, and, and Duke it seemed like they had a chance. And then we're all walking out, and it's just like, oh, my goodness. I have the feel of my bracket being busted. And even though Duke has so many closed games that they basically should have lost. And I didn't think they were going to win it all, but I did feel like at this point perhaps they would just lose in the, the, the Final Four, but still it, it had been epic. But, Scott, let me ask you this. A, a lot of the feedback that you hear now is about Coach K and as far as the X's and O's and the last plays that are being drawn. What do you think as far as Coach K's coaching style uh, since he's gone to the one and done?
5: I think it's been fascinating to watch Coach K adjust his coaching strategy because really I think a lot of it comes down to his time with USA Basketball's senior team uh, you know, getting those gold medals with guys like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James gave him a lot of cachet with those one-and-done type of recruits. Because, you know, as noted before, plenty of times Coach K was more of a program guy heading into that one-and-done era. He liked guys to stick around for three or four more years. You had the Leitners and the Hurleys and the Wojos and guys like that who would stick around a couple of years. And only this last ten to fifteen years have we started to see the pros uh, go to Duke more often. And you know, Mike D'Antoni adjusted Coach K's coaching style quite a bit. More to the pro style when he started working with in the USA, and I think it's kind of resonated with a lot of the players in the fact that he lets them go. Now he doesn't maybe micromanage them play by play. I think it kind of grew to bite them a little bit in this one because mm-hmm. having RJ Barico, a hero ball and iso ball so often, not getting touches for Zion Williamson, particularly on the block where he seemed to be doing damage. There's some questions that you have to ask Coach K there, but in terms of the methodology and how he got there, he's obviously doing something right if he continues to be in this elite A position with freshmen and new players
0: with, with the fact of him switching the young uh, one and duns, and as you mentioned you can think about Bobby Hurley and uh, Grant Hill and Christian Laettner and the amount of time that you had to coach those players up and teach them different philosophies and systems how hard is it defensively to get these players on one accord when you basically only have them from the summertime and into the fall it, 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 ha- it, it how much has that changed with the fact that he can't have these players for at least two to three seasons
5: I think it's been really difficult, especially defensively, as you mentioned, and part of the reason this Duke team this year had so much hype entering the season is they had 10 extra practices and a few extra games on a Canadian exhibition tour, so this group of freshmen got together during the summer and got to play with each other longer than the groups normally would have, and I think you saw that with the Champions Classic early in the season when Duke blew out Kentucky, just how uh, prepared they were compared to most of their competition, particularly another freshman-laden team like Kentucky, so you know with Duke, they never really adjusted. They never got better as the season wore on. And I'm kind of interested to see what Kay says about this season in hindsight because he had some untimely injuries to guys like Zion Williamson, but also to role players like Jack White and Marquise Bolden. And really the role players never really adjusted to playing with superstar talents like Zion and RJ. And they never had that floor spacing Duke that I think they needed to ultimately make it to the Final Four.
1: Scott, out of these four remaining teams that's in the final four, a lot of people probably didn't pick to see a Texas Tech or Auburn. But who is one player out of these final four teams that everyone should look at? It's like, you know what? That kid right there, he's pretty damn good.
5: I would like people to appreciate Ty Jerome from Virginia, just because I think that Jared Culver from Texas Tech and DeAndre Hunter from the Cavaliers are going to get a little more casual fan NBA draft watch interest, but Ty Jerome, Virginia's point guard, a junior, is a tremendous ball player. He's getting a little bit of first-round love himself. He doesn't look like the type of dude who would be an assassin. He looks like somebody you would maybe copy off of your notes in class. You know, he's (laughs) kind of an understated type of dude, but man, he hit some cold-blooded three-pointers. We saw that in the over purdue he's an orchestrator on offense who's great in ball screen situations and i think he's really underrated defensively as well he stands about 6'4", 6'5, makes it a lot tougher on smaller guards when he's defending them and you know he plays at a slower tempo for a team that isn't sexy to Washington virginia but this guy has the moxie and savvy to make it to the highest level if he ends up turning pro after this season
1: d and davis show right down here recording at six seven you score on line which right now is scott phillips College basketball talk. Make sure you follow Scott on Twitter at Phillips Hoops. Uh, sticking with Auburn or going into Auburn, uh, Jared Harper, the point guard uh, for them. I, I've been watching this kid through the tournament, man, and he has been just something special uh, to watch. Give us a breakdown of Jared and how you think he can possibly take uh, Auburn a little bit forward.
5: I love Jared Harper's game, and he's kind of been an underrated guy ever since the high school ranks. He was a point guard for a team with Wendell Carter that made it in one Peach Jam, which is kind of the most prestigious AAU tournament that we see over the summer. And you know, guys like Carter got most of the credit, but Harper was the one who buried the big shots down the stretch, mm-hmm. and that's what we're seeing once again at the college level during this NCAA tournament. Bryce Brown and Jared Harper continuing to trade big shots for Auburn, and the thing I love about Harper is Auburn's known for its three-point shooting. They're streaky from there, and when Kentucky played Auburn off the line in the Elite Eight, Harper got to the basket and made plays at the rim over bigger and taller players, and I think that says a lot about his complete scoring package and what he brings to the table, and again, you talk about Auburn having so many different weapons and so many different guys that can create and hit shots and a lot of that starts with Jared Harper's ability to break down the dribble and hit shots himself he's been a huge part of this Auburn run so far
0: it's funny now I'm not the biggest Bruce Pearl fan but I'm leaning towards Auburn or Michigan State winning it all Uh, one question this is going into the future we we all know that basically probably by 2022 or so the one and done is going to be over Uh, You look at somebody like Bruce Pearl, who is excellent, one excellent coach, but also excellent when it comes to scouting out the players he wants in the system, Uh, fast players that can make shots and can play that up-tempo and can definitely shoot and be in the pick and roll and everything of that sort. How do you see a coach like uh, Coach Calipari, who got an extension from UK? I want to talk to you about that. And then Coach K, as we mentioned, how do you see them excelling? Of of course, Coach K is going to return back to what he did before, as far as raising his, teaching his players from freshmen, because they're one of them is probably going to be gone for the most part. Even though some players will step out, but how do coaches like Bruce Pearl? stay in tow with coach k and how far will his philosophy continue to excel or will it go take a step back now that you have coach k getting players to stay for three to four years like the bruce pearls or the tom Mizzos?
5: well there's certainly going to be some changes particularly when the one and done rule goes away as you alluded to we've heard a little bit about 2020 2021 2022 as you mentioned. So, still a little bit of time away, but I think that we're starting to see some uh, changes already in terms of recruiting structure, particularly with schools like Duke and Kentucky You get freshmen, but I think really what it comes down to is your ability to land talent year in and year out because we see so many guys transfer now, over 500 again this offseason. We have so many guys who are going pro, and not just for the NBA. They want to go play in the G League or they want to explore their alternative options overseas. I think that it's still an ability to get the most talented freshmen and also to get talented graduate transfer transfers and guys who make your program better and I think the leg up that a guy like Bruce Pearl maybe has over a Coach K or a Calipari is he's able to pull in guys from all different means in order to build his roster he's had top 100 recruits he's had transfers he's had graduate transfers and he's going to continue to do that in order to make sure the Tigers have the competitive balance with uh, you know the Kentuckys and the Tennessees of the world with John Calipari and Coach K you can't beat their NBA track record at this point they've put so many guys into the pros they have the top 10 picks every year they've got the pros who can call on their behalf and kind of say hey this is the path that he brings you on but in terms of a three four year program you have to look at programs like Auburn or Michigan State and see the success they've had on the floor making final fours and you have to give them a serious look as well if you're gonna be that type of player.
0: Scott one thing and you, you just mentioned something that's been on my head a lot with Travis at UK down in Kentucky and the fact that you have Calipari bringing him in and Calipari has usually had young teams outside of some of the vets that stay but with the key players have been young it's it would seem to me like that would be something that he would implement each season going forward to bring in uh, older players. I know it seems like the younger players said that Travis really helped them. Uh, will we see Calipari doing that? As far as it may not be every year, it's depending on how good the player is and the positional need. And even Coach K. Now, will we see both of them really going into the grad transfer and using those players that were good on mid-level or even high, you know blue blood teams that are you know Stanford or something of that nature. Those type of small schools that aren't necessarily the teams to expect in the Final Four and. Bring Bring those players on to add to the young players and try to help grow those players.
5: Yeah, definitely. Because I think when you have these college ready guys who have been in winning programs, who have the strength and they have the knowledge of being able to run basic systems that it does make it a lot easier when you bring in seven or eight new scholarship players, and Kentucky's starting to do that more. You mentioned Reed Travis. They've had a visit from a Bucknell grad transfer, Nate Sistina during the week, so they're already investigating their options that they might be able to bring in for next season, and I think it might be a little bit tougher at Duke than maybe Kentucky, and part of that is these uh, student-athletes do legitimately have to go for graduate degree programs, and while uh, you know that's obviously an understated component of what we talk about as basketball fans, a graduate degree at Duke is not an easy thing to come by. Those Mm -hmm. programs are not easy to get into. Not to say that Kentucky's graduate programs are easy either, but it's a different type of admissions process for those types of schools. So we're going to have to see what types of adjustments Duke maybe make in terms of a graduate transfer scenario. But it wouldn't surprise me one bit if Coach K started to look to that market because, again, he's going to need to start filling five or six scholarships per year if this uh, sort of pace sustains for one-and-done players.
0: Dan Davis on the line right now. Scott Phillips, college basketball talk on NBC. Follow him at Phillips Hoop.
5: Scott, who
0: do you have still left from your brackets?
5: I still have Texas Tech. I really Ooh, like their defense you, heading into this. Yeah, and, you were talking uh, that talk. Yeah, other than that, no, my bracket's not been very good. <laughs> so, so, you know, take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because I got one of the underdogs, but I didn't do too well on the other components.
0: Now, look, with Texas Tech, do you have them going to the championship or do they, do they lose in the Final Four?
5: I, I was sunk with Duke, as you, some of you guys were. I mean, I had the Blue Devils winning this mm. whole thing, so really my bracket's wide open at this point, and I'm just enjoying the games.
1: I'm I'm actually looking, Scott, at, uh, at that matchup, of Michigan State and Texas Tech. Texas Tech hasn't allowed a team to score over 70 points, and Michigan State has scored over 70 points three times. So you look at that matchup right there, what do you think about uh, that, that Final Four matchup?
5: Definitely look for the under in that one, in my opinion, guys. I think it's <laughs> hovering around 130 at this point between the dome shooting, the nerves, two of the best defenses in college basketball and two low-tempo teams, I think this one has the potential to be ugly. I'm talking like high 40s, low 50s type Whoa. of ugly. But I still think that it's it's going, to, it's going to ultimately be a close game. But to me, it comes down to Cassius Winston from Michigan State. He's their yeah. experienced junior point guard that really took over that Duke game. I think he had 20 and 10 with only one turnover playing all 40 minutes. So when you have that kind of stability, even if you do have the number one defense like Texas it's hard to throw off a team when they're running their offense and Michigan State has done such an effective job of finding key shooters and getting the ball to guys they need to like Xavier Tillman that I like the Spartans in a close one in that one.
1: What do you think about Cassius at the next level?
5: He's intriguing to me because I don't know how he necessarily defends a lot of the Mm uber-athletic NBA point guards. I'm not sure he's necessarily a starting caliber guy but you know you look at some of the second unit guys who've started to make their way in the league like Fred Van Fleet or Mm. Ishmael Smith and You know, just guys who are steady and heady, effective guys who run an offense, who can hit perimeter shots, who can maybe cause some havoc on defense a little bit. Winston's got to become more of an upgrade defensively. He's got to show a little bit more burst around the rim and finishing over length. But, again, based on the way that he wins and the amount of turnovers he limits, I love the way that he plays. And if you're a second-unit NBA team looking for a backup point guard, he might be an option for you.
0: Scott, who do you have in your championship game?
5: So I've got Michigan State facing Virginia in the championship game. I like the Cavaliers over the Tigers in a, in a uh, you know a tight one. Again, I think Auburn's three-point shooting is a key for them, and Virginia is one of the best in the country at limiting three-point looks. And kind of getting that monkey off of their back, getting into this Final Four after last season's loss to the uh, 16-seed UMBC, I think that some of the pressure is off Virginia now. Everyone's kind of on a level playing field when it comes to pressure, and it's going to be fascinating to see if Virginia can play a little bit more with the ship on their shoulders. as we've seen during the Tournament.
0: Who do you have winning it?
5: I have Virginia winning it. I think that the Blues end up getting over the hump. I love the way that this team is defensively. They've got guard play and Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy who are starting to get comfortable hitting shots. And this is a team that's a lot more versatile than some of these other teams in the Final Four. They can go and junk it up and play a slowdown style. They can go into the 80s and win a shootout over a team like Purdue if a Carson Edwards gets hot. That's what I really like about this team overall. They're very versatile. They're grounded in what they're rooted in, and I think that their defense carries them to a title here.
0: And speaking of Virginia, what do you think of the draft prospect of Hunter now that it seems like he really hasn't had a great tournament and, as you said, the guards have kind of carried them along the way?
5: It's definitely hurt him a little bit, but I think people have to keep in mind that the NCAA tournament, playing on this weird large stage, is also a very small sample size to what a full college season in and a full body of work is going to look like. If you look at a six-game run and compare it to what an eighty-two NBA NBA games uh, season is going to be like, that's just a tiny fraction of what a guy is going to be needing to do at the highest level. So there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows. That's why I say when you watch the tournament from a draft perspective, not to really take into account too much. Of what's happening in this six-game stretch, whether for good or bad, you take the body of work overall in terms of what Hunter has been during the season. He's been one of the country's best two-way players. He's named the NaBC Defensive Player of the Year today. I think in terms of the three-and-D model of the NBA, he's going to fit well because of his ability to knock down shots and defend three or four spots. And you know he's never going to be a takeover guy. You're not going to look at him to be a Kawhi Leonard MVP type of candidate. But if you need a second or third scoring option who can get a lot of things done, I think DeAndre Hunter's a guy you have to potentially look at the top 10 of this draft.
1: Scott, um, to kick off the tournament with Michigan State, Izzo had the altercation, if you want to say, the little dust-up with the uh, young player on the court. But kind of give us a breakdown. What do you think about his coaching and how he's been able to galvanize his team after that and get them to the Final Four?
5: Clearly, it works for Michigan State. And that method of coaching and that method of confronting a player directly in the huddle around the floor is not for everybody, but you saw the response from Aaron Henry throughout this tournament. He's played well, including a key sweet 16 performance against LSU. And you've seen a lot of the old Michigan state players, successful ones at that guys like Draymond green and Gary Harris go to bat for Tom Izzo, and his coaching style. And, you know, these are guys that spent multiple years playing in Michigan State before going into the NBA. They kind of know what they expect with that program and what he brings to the table and again, you look at Tom Izzo's results and they speak for themselves. I think he's been to nine Final Fours now. He does it with a collection of players that don't necessarily have the best pro prospects, but have bought into his system and what he's doing and he certainly produced a lot of capable pros as well that maybe were under the radar. Not a lot of people expected Draymond Green to be this type of NBA player and some of Very that is tough. Love probably helped him get there
0: Scott I got two players I want you to tell me about real quick before you get out of here one is a uh, PJ Washington down in okay. Kentucky I feel like he did a really good job uh, looking at how he's grown looking at how basically how bad that game got it was PJ Washington or nothing uh, where do you have him going perhaps in the draft and what type of uh, what type of ceiling do you have for him
5: he's a fascinating prospect because I think people are going to look at this foot injury and ask how serious it is because he was a warrior during this tournament, but a, fo- a foot injury for a big man like that who's so bouncy and active is also something concerning you have to watch going forward. So I think he's still a first-round pick. He might even hover into that lottery area, but I think a lot of it's going to depend on how his uh, bill of health is and how he's able to shoot and work out. So his teams still want to see if he's a consistent floor spacer from NBA range.
0: And look, uh, Chicago's very on for Simeon. Uh, Tyler Horton Tucker uh, from Iowa State said he's going pro. Uh, where do you have him and what type of player do you think he'll be in the pros?
5: Taylor Horton Tucker's fascinating because he's one of the younger players in the draft. He just turned 18 during his freshman year of college. and kind of a grade level younger than a lot of his peers and I think his perimeter scoring package is fascinating. His shooting percentages weren't all that good this season at Iowa State. There were times he took some hero ball shots and didn't necessarily play his best but you know, ultimately I think he could hover into that late first round, early second round conversation with good workouts because there's a lot to like about him. He's got a plus wingspan. He's an ab- He has an ability to create a perimeter jumper on his own which is not easy to do off the dribble and again I think he's so young that teams are going to be tantalized by that upside and he brings to the table as a perimeter scorer.
1: Scott, man, thank you so much for hopping on with us. Really appreciate it. You know what? We want, I want to have you back on. We both want to have you back on uh, around the draft time to try to talk about some of the players coming out, uh, possibly, you know, just kind of get a background a lot of the players coming out.
5: Oh, definitely. Be happy to come on once again and talk ball with you guys. It's always a great time. Nice. Great having you, man. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it, guys.
1: And that was Scott Phillips. Make sure you follow Scott on Twitter at Phillips Hoops. Chicago Basketball Talk on NBC. I don't know. He, he said he had Michigan
0: State versus Virginia? Yeah. And Virginia winning it all. <sighs> I got Michigan State versus Auburn. I have Texas Tech versus Auburn. Mm. I think
1: with that defense with them, I, I, I do agree that it's going to be a low-scoring game. I don't know it's going to be like 40 to 50-something. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game probably in the 60s, mm-hmm. maybe high 50s, low 60s. But I just have a feeling with this defense and how well they've been playing, I think Texas Tech is able to probably slow them down. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, the Army Michigan State is not like about a, slowing uh, them down, though, is if, as long as they can make the shots. That's true, home, that's true. That's and, true. And, and you're sitting there and But they're so long and wiry,
1: though, man. Michigan, they can lock you down.
0: Yeah, but it's not like you're playing a weak defense in Michigan State. True, true. And the thing is, when you, you look at the, the fact, and I know they got Culver down there at Texas Tech, long wing guy mm-hmm. in the lottery now. But you got Cassius Winston, and man, he can knock it down. He can maybe. knock it down. And this is the thing he I can was saying. Too. it, too. So good. This goes back to old standards of back in the days of guard play mm-hmm. used to be the key in the yeah. tournament. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing now as far as terrific guard play. So even though Texas Techs, and I I don't know if they're going to be there or not. I can't sit here and tell you you're wrong. I didn't think anybody was going to. I can, know, Texas, I can Texas, sit there. I thought e- Michigan. Eli. I thought Michigan had him. Yeah, Michigan it could State, be due. Yeah, I didn't think that was good. We yeah. all knew when the tournament, when the, the brackets mm-hmm. were announced, that was. Was gonna be a problem for Duke, and
1: looking at Duke, how they played throughout the tournament, it's like okay, they bound to slip up one time, and they slipped up the one time against Michigan State. Yeah, so
0: but I, I with Cash, I'm not betting against Cash and Winston in this tournament. Okay, and again, I'm not a fan of Bruce Pearl, but man, that man can coach. Listen, and that team is humming. hot. I look at Auburn, although they're number five
1: seed, they're mm-hmm. kind of like a Cinderella team. First time ever in the Final Four. And they're able to get here. And it's something about those teams. And you look at Virginia. What do Virginia do? They always go Virginia. Oh, yeah, yeah, but man, it's are in the Final Four. You can't put that on Virginia now. No, 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 no. I, yes, they have They have made it to the yeah. Final Four, no doubt. But I'm just saying now they they playing against a very hot team, as we said. And I, at 5C, I'm not going to call them a Cinderella, but they have that feel to them. And then look I mean, on the other like side. it's like a
0: Cinderella with steroids. I mean, like, most Cinderella, if you think last year. all like, oh, there's a Cinderella yeah, team. Yeah, like, no doubt. look at where their players at. Like, this dude is on the AAU team <laughs> with Wendell Carter Jr. Junior. Like, it's the best AAU, oh, the best AAU uh, 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 courts. So uh, that's my only caveat yeah. as far as saying that. What do you have to say right yeah. now?
2: Well, I look at uh, Auburn now. To Dee's point, losing your best player almost kind of makes them a little bit of a Cinderella. Because I thought going into last weekend with Kentucky, mm-hmm. especially how Kentucky was able to hold on the prior the evening beforehand in their Sweet 16 round, I thought that they were going to come out really strong and really handle Auburn. But Bryce Brown and Harper were absolutely killing it. Yeah, and I'm looking at uh, their upcoming matchup. Virginia really struggled, you know, obviously with handling. Uh, Carson Edwards with Purdue and now you're going to handle two of these guys. Yeah, so that mm-hmm. can be real, they real tough. Hot.
0: And as you're talking about, uh, what, a coochie? Yeah. With uh, ACL out. ACL. Mm-hmm. But still it goes back to, dog, you got two phenomenal guards in your backcourt. You can basically do the damn thing. And you know, especially when the fact that we know it's going to be a slow down pace, half court basketball, you got guys that can get it down and get to where they want you on the court. Man, you you have leverage in these types of situations, and Auburn has two, and that's the thing where yeah. believe me, I mean I, I have no problem with Auburn I actually have an affinity for Auburn being somebody from Alabama, even though the big school is the big school real time. but i I've always loved Auburn also, but
2: or Eagle. You
1: know. uh I was watching the uh the highlights from the Atlanta Braves game and the Cubs game, and they still going with the tomahawk tomahawk chalk and the and that Ooh. uh yeah, like that was, it is Georgia, so. And they're not in Atlanta anymore. They're like on the outskirts of Atlanta. So I, I mean, know. to
2: be fair, the Indians are still the Indians. Yes, that's true.
3: And Washington is still Washington. And some of those Kansas City Chiefs fans in football, they still do that too. The, do the old chant. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm.
0: They definitely do. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: You thought it would stop by now, but fortunately, has it
0: hasn't. Man, you no. thinking this no. America that that's no. People will probably like start doing it again. Son. Yeah. yeah, we yeah. stopped it's doing it, that. Again. Now everything's on the line again. Louder, hit louder, it. hit it, get it. Don't make me change it to MAGA. <laughs> Get him with the MAGA chop, son.
2: Iron MAGA. Iron MAGA.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, coming up next, we're going to do something new, something new and fresh. Uh, Isaac, producer Ryan Bukoveski. Uh, he has a segment now. He has his own thing, something Tony didn't even have. Look at that. Up for grabs. Let's do it. d and David Show. Yo, what's up? This is Rashid Hadi, and you're
0: listening
3: to the d and David Show. Yeah.
0: D and David's show, and it's time for Up for Grabs. Ryan Bukovetsky's uh, segment here, so look forward to it. He's going to give us topics. I I won't even put a number on it right now because I don't want you to feel it's necessary to always get to a set number. Mm. Like, cause you know, you may bring some weak stuff up in here. And just like, I gotta get to this.
2: No, oh, no, we can't get on this airwaves at all. We gotta keep things strong okay. at all times.
0: Keep it very strong. So you hear, you hear Ryan's voice right there. So Ryan, there you go. Also, what kind of bed you gonna put under your thing? You got how you gonna do this? Mm, yeah, yeah,
2: we're gonna put some music behind this. What type of
0: music? Let us know right well, now. It's gotta
2: be hip hop for sure. Uh, oh why, Ryan? Why it's gotta because be? Because <laughs> that's always what I go. With. <laughs> that's my favorite I, genre. That's that's I know I, I want some up under okay, this. Okay, I can get some Jason Aldeans, okay. Taylor Swift okay. under here. Look, yeah, right. No, oh, At Sound look,
1: Garden, a little Nas X. How about that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can I get some Black Hole Sun?
2: Maybe. uh Ooh, ooh.
0: Stone Temple Pilot. <sighs>
2: okay. Well, with that, let's go up for grabs. All right. <laughs> <to> <laughs> some of these topics here. Let's start off with. Uh, Something that D. forwarded to us earlier this morning. A nice little bit of Brandon Hyde, who was the ex-bench manager for the Cubs before accepting the managerial position for the Baltimore Orioles. And he took off his pitcher, David Hess, in the middle of a no-no. He went six complete innings, started the seventh, got the first out. And that's when Brandon Hyde took out David Hess during his no-no bid. And uh, the reasoning behind it was because he threw 40 pitches the other day on opening day and that is why Brandon Hyde didn't want to overextend his pitcher. Oh, I was shocked because uh, I knew my pitch count was decently low. And so really just uh, kind of trying to figure out more of what was going on. And so when he came out, it was uh, him basically just saying, you know, throwing uh, 40 pitches the other day, just uh, trying to keep health the primary thing and uh, knowing that it's a long season. And I could tell that he uh, really was fighting against himself a little bit because I think the excitement was there. To me, mm-hmm. this is a guy out of your bullpen because they got four starters. He's kind of that Mike Montgomery for the Cubs. He's a mm-hmm. starter slash bullpen guy. This is your one chance at probably a no-no ever. I don't think he's a, a player that's going to be a part of your franchise moving forward. He's not a star player or anything like that. I say let the kid pitch. I'm with you.
1: I say let him pitch. You never know when he's going to be able to get a situation like this again, that he's six and a third in or six and a half. It, it, he, six and a third. Six and a third, right? You never know if he's ever gonna get it again, right? And listen, they are rare to begin with, right? So he's probably he probably would've got a hit. You never know. My whole thing is you never know when that's gonna happen with someone. Don't do that. Just let him pitch until he gets hit. And at the time he had an
2: 82 pitch count. Before yeah, so that, it wasn't even like he was a lot of pitches.
0: As you said, he he pitched four he had 40 pitches on yep, the opening day. Opening day. You're basically asking him to go to about 110, if not 120, right? And how long? How, but he was dealing though. yeah, but how long has he been stretched out? And then look, let's just say, the next inning because that was a sixth inning, you said, I believe they took him out in the
2: seventh. In the he seventh. went six complete. Yeah.
0: So let's just say in the eighth they took him out, and then they got lit up. Even though they won the game, they got lit up after that, correct? Mm-hmm. So one of those relievers is going to be in there anyway, messing it up for him in the first place. I, my, my thing is this: you mentioned that he's not uh, central to their plans for the future. But still, you—the manager—he's a, 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 a rookie manager. The last thing you want people to hear, and you can even go back to here, is someone talking about you had him out there too long. You know, like look at look at Morrow last year. Mind you, he was here with the Cubs. I know you can say Morrow is more central to the future of what the Cubs planned last season. But what's the reason to stretch out someone in the third or fourth game of the season that they may be out for a few weeks when nobody's really – not to say that you can't go this deep. I know some, old, some old-timer be like, we would throw 150 on the opening day. But the risk of injury, regardless if you look at him as being a long-term prospect on your team or not, and he's been playing fairly well, I I can kind of see why he felt like he he didn't have to. And also, this is my last part. We don't know if the player told him, I know they've talked publicly, that he was getting tired or not. Nah, he didn't want to get pulled out. He said that? Yeah, when you looked and when he was coming out there, he's like, what are you I mean, you but doing? I'm like, but Medio, I'm saying like, have they have you heard anything as far as what he thought?
2: I don't think he specifically said like, "Hey, I could have kept going." Yeah, it, he was definitely surprised that he was pulled at okay. the time and he said that. And he missed his public. pitch count. He mentioned his pitch count. Like, I didn't right. throw that many pitches. I think he was kind
1: of cold way saying or you know, sideways saying like, "Listen, I could have kept on going. Okay. I didn't have a lot of pitches." And his face reaction when he came to the mound was like, What are you doing out here? Like, what are you doing? He was shocked. Yeah, I'm pitching a no hitter. So wait, he
0: showed up his manager? No, no, no,
1: no, no, no. no, He didn't. He didn't. Don't ask me why I'm coming out. You know why I'm coming out here. (laughs) Well, I I I I would think that ball. (laughs) Give it to me. (laughs) I would think if anybody was doing was pitching a no hitter, and they saw their manager coming out, and I know all pitchers know when they see that strut coming from the dugout, like damn, I'm about to get pulled. Mm -hmm. And he saw that strut, he's like. What is your ass doing? Do you see what I'm doing right now? So my only my only rebuttal would be to, towards you, Ken, would be I could see if it was like okay, why was you out there and the game is like kind of like blown out or it's uh you know it, it just isn't there for like okay, so why are you still out there? I'm just looking in the sense of history and that he might never get to that point again. Right. So. Let him have his history. I get you. I'll yeah, get you. that's the only thing. To the point of he, but now I will say the pitcher, uh, did, he did mention, like, listen, we talked about it. I think he's definitely looking out for us because he's talking about the health, as you mentioned before, stretching them out. He's like, you know, he really, he really, he's thinking about us doing a long Our long term. man I is hurt. This. I get that. Why is the long man hurt? Oh yeah, he
0: went for that no no at the beginning of the season. But he could, but like I said, you statistically, he probably would have got hit the next inning. A rookie manager. You know how many people will be blasting him if that kid comes up hurt in two weeks because he went for. Let alone, we're not even sure if he would have got the no no. So man, you took him to the knife. He lost that no no, and now Shorty sure is on the IR. Nah, man. I mean, I, I'm with you as far as probably that should be what goes before yeah. the segment. Someone had to play devil's advocate, Ryan. So, uh, <laughs> well, Ryan threw it up. I agree. I, I hate this old formatted debate where I just can't be myself. I'm joking. I still, I really feel that way for the most part. What I said.
3: Yeah, even though this might be this pitcher's only time or best chance to throw a no hitter, sometimes you got to protect athletes from themselves. You know that. Well, uh, if you're an athlete, you you're ultra competitive at the highest level. You want it so bad, but sometimes uh, the managers or your coach have sometimes have to do the tough thing, but sometimes they have to do the right thing. So yeah. you have to protect them from themselves. And yeah.
0: that that's that's. That's high energy innings that he's gonna be. He was gonna start pitching too. Mm-hmm. So that was like playoff innings, and you don't know how tired he is, how he's gonna be dealing because he wants to get the no-no. He's gonna be doing stuff that he may not, as far as energy usage wise, and his tank being zapped a little bit earlier because now he's going for it, going for it. So just to, to piggyback on yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ryan, set us up.
2: Well, let's move on to basketball because Skip Bayless is done talking all of a sudden over here. Since all of a sudden you're pinned to a corner, let me give you a new corner, (laughs) guy.
0: This MVP race that everybody keeps talking
5: about. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be very, very clear because you got listeners in Milwaukee out there, too. And I want everybody to understand. I understand the Greek freak is a freak of nature. Gained like 57 pounds of muscle since he first entered the league. The dude's a stud. And he has the right temperament, the right attitude. Ain't trying to befriend anybody. Very compelling interview he sat down and did with Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, our extraordinary NBA insider. All of those things are true. But I personally am of the mindset that James Harden's the league MVP. But the truth is, with all due respect to the Greek freak, who is a brilliant player, there's only one choice for that award this NBA season. If James Harden doesn't win, it will be a joke. So, for James Harden, I've said this going into this season, he's the most unique offensive
0: weapon that the game has seen. He's the only player at some point in his career, the only player, and I want people to challenge me on this, to lead the league in total points, total assists, free throws made, and three-pointers made. He's the only person that's ever going to do that. And when I have the remote control in my hand and I'm watching league pass, that's how I like to pick my MVP who's starting our shows every day. That's how I like to pick
3: MVP. That's been James Harden this season.
2: Do you agree Giannis
3: should be the favorite right now? I do agree, I'm a voter. This is probably
2: the hardest decision, or certainly one of them that I've had to make with the MVP award. Fair or not, Giannis Antetokounmpo has been dealing with an ankle injury and has missed a few games since March 17th when he injured it. Mm-hmm. And the Bucks are going to be somewhat careful with his health the rest of the season and give him as much rest as possible heading into the playoffs.
0: After they, because they, they're one game away from getting, uh, from having uh, home court all three. Right. And so I think three after games that, up. yeah, after that one game, right. I think he's kind of saying, even though he says he doesn't want to stop playing,
2: which means when this highly. Contested MVP race between him and James Harden. Mm-hmm. Should this ankle injury somewhat cost or hurt Giannis at all in not this MVP race? Not at all.
0: Um, look, I already told y'all James Harden is an MVP. All y'all, did you gang up on me when they were here? No, I'm
2: actually on your side. I like James Harden as oh, MVP. Oh yeah,
0: so when he gets it. And I wonder I was funny because I told y'all nationally it switched. I'm a Giannis guy. Let me say that. All right, James Harden has earned it with his phenomenal stats. I'm a Giannis guy. But, um, no, I don't think it should hurt him. And even though I know what you're saying, and you can kind of even look at last year in the MLB with NL Century. You had Yilich and uh, when you had uh, Ho- Ho- woah- Javi Baez. But Javi kind of slowed down to go along with Yilich's production and Milwaukee taking the, getting past the Cubs, mm-hmm. which at the time, me and D was on, on Labor Day. And I was saying, if that happened, you had to give it to Yulich. We mm-hmm. didn't think it was going to happen Definitely. then. Yeah. But now getting back to this situation as far as the MVP between James Harden and Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo, the thing is, and I know the end matters, but... Harden has been out too and hurt. So it it, would be different, I guess, if it was like this. If this had been like the third time perhaps that Giannis had been hurt, Mm -hmm. I think then you can start saying, well, look at the amount of games that he's missed. No, they're both basically been injured once during the season as far as missing a certain allotment of game. if Giannis really misses games so far I think he's only missed like
2: two I think he's missed a total of three or four Did at this point for the and season. then he still may miss I mean, some yeah, coming they to,
0: up. If, if they get home court but no I don't think it should affect him whatsoever.
2: It's, it's five games left basically in the season like
0: if it was 20 Maybe you know what I'm saying. If he was missing the last 20 games, and then Harden just did something outside of what he's already done, spectacular. I could see that. But I I said a week ago, if not two weeks ago, I think it was last week, that everyone's moved off of even the, the the even the hardest Giannis person. When you really take a step back, and it's because now I, I think another thing is outside of when LeBron was winning MVPs back to back to back, and we we get regimented into the best player wins the MVP for the most part. Jordan didn't every year, but he did when he finally broke through. I think after LeBron didn't win it, we thought we would maybe get new players when you had, of course, with Derek before and Brown again, but KD getting it. Then you had uh, you had Russell getting it. Then you had Harden getting it. And to see someone perhaps get it back-to-back, people were like, ah, that's not going to happen. But when he had a better year than he had last year, what can you say? He's the reigning MVP in this team. That, that team is third in the West now. Think about that. Where fourth, they were. Fourth.
1: They're, they're a game. They're, half, they're not even the whole they're, game they're tied out. I'm looking at the standards right now. They're tied with... Portland, but Portland must have had a tiebreaker.
0: But so there's still a chance that they're tied that for possible. third. Yeah, yeah. They're, but they're tied for third. So I'm going for a team that had the second worst record in the West when when Chris Paul went out, and he took this team to perhaps third in the stronger conference. And he's having a crazy year, have averaging the, the most points we've seen since Mike averaged 30, well since Kobe averaged 35. All right, you gotta get my man. You gotta get that man when he's hurt.
1: I don't think it should hurt him. Uh, but I definitely still think that Giannis
0: is going to be in the running for sure. No, you said he's going to win. Is he still going to win?
1: I think when they look, I think when voters look at it from a standpoint of what he's been able to do offensively, what Milwaukee able to do, what Milwaukee is going to wrap up the uh, playoffs through the entire season and his defense, mm-hmm. I think Giannis, and I said for devil's advocate during that, during that segment, but I think Giannis still got a very good chance of winning it. Some, I do. What
0: about a little, put a little bread on it? What
1: you want? We oh, can do a dub. <laughs> mm, June fourth for I'll do a dub Here we yeah, go. I do a so now, we got, now. He's
0: gonna try to get that money from me. Sydney's <laughs> <laughs> like, how can I bet Ken on something to get but, that twenty? But losing, but, but, but losing those no, no five games. But losing. Sydney, I'm it. trying to help you Andy out. Sydney, just get that twenty to Sydney.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I'm giving it to you. You give it to Sydney. <laughs> Um, I'll take it. <laughs> but uh, but no, losing the five games, and it's always kind of good to kind of put a cherry on top of a season that you go out there and you just ball out and you show like, hey, let me go ahead and do my thing. Um, it shouldn't, though. It shouldn't, though. But it's weird, man. Voters, I mean, they're human beings. You never know which way they're going to go sometimes.
3: You know what I'm saying? So In, uh, the injury bug to Giannis should not hurt him. Uh, like you guys said before, I think James Harden's missed a few games uh, here and there this season. So injuries will cancel each other out. The difference is who has made the biggest impact. And I think that Giannis has made a bigger impact. impact with Milwaukee because let's be honest here. We all thought that Milwaukee was a, a top five team at most in the East, right? We all expected Toronto, Boston. A few people expected Philly uh, to be uh, mm-hmm. number one, number two in the East. No one expected Milwaukee to be that, this good this fast. I didn't think they were going to get the I'll best record the
1: entire season. I'll I mean, say The league, though.
0: Giannis' team only started getting injuries this last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Harden's team's been banged up the entire season, and they were the second worst record in the West. Mm-hmm. And now they're third, almost their fourth, almost third, which is they, with a chance to get third. But when was this
2: when it was the second worst team in the West?
3: This is when uh, Chris Paul went. went How, the, when did he go? You no, know, late November, early
2: December. Yeah, Chris it was Paul actually was when he started that streak of those thirty-two, 32 games, games mm-hmm. right? So it yeah. was pretty early. And he in the about,
0: and when he did it, they were saying he was patents. But I mean, it was a long, it was a large breath. Chris Paul missed eighteen games. Mm-hmm. I believe. There was panic. You know how much there Chris was, panic was always about out. Right. But, yeah, we uh, expected but no, Houston to be K- number one. K- K- I know K- what you're saying. Clint Compella was out too two to 15 mm-hmm. games. Yeah. So we're saying that if Brogdon uh, was, uh, was out, if we, we're saying if Chris Middleton was out for 15 or 18 games, mm-hmm. like, no, like that. You have to factor that in. And he's playing in a tougher conference. Yeah, look, mm-hmm. those Bucks aren't leading, wouldn't have the best record in the mm-hmm. NBA if they played in the West. They would be in the top four. I'll say that much. They wouldn't have the best record. They wouldn't have that.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really tough debate because Giannis may be a little bit more of the overall complete player, even though he's not as polished offensively as Mm -hmm. Harden is. But he's obviously just such an unstoppable force in his own way. Both of these guys are very deserving of the award, clearly the top. I'm with you, though, Ken, when it comes to Harden. When you start hearing beating streaks of Wilt, beating things that Michael Jordan has done all in the same season... And he was MVP last year. It reminds me almost of Steph Curry when he had that MVP, and then he had an even better year the following year, and they felt that they had to give him the MVP because of that. But do we think they're going to go to the finals?
0: When you look at the, the team that we think, and I'm not saying that, that Milwaukee probably isn't number two right now. If, if OKC had stayed playing the way they were playing earlier, even though how, how long can you play that type of defensive game they were playing, you usually get burned out, IEC tips. But if, if you're talking about teams that can beat Golden State, I would put Houston above Milwaukee, but Milwaukee's right there. But now Milwaukee's banged up too with key players that they need to really get past. I mean, Mind you, Nico Miritek is out. Like yeah. the whole thing yeah. is mm-hmm. spreading the floor, floor, floor. and Giannis mm-hmm. going down and doing his damage and being a great passer, finding a player. So again, i we'll, we'll we'll see. I'd be happy if we'll Giannis see. won, but to be fair, I think it's James
2: Harden. I'm with you on that. And now let's move on to the gridiron little AAF action because there was some big news. Yeah, who is right? Because we won't be hearing too much of the AAF anymore as they have suspended their play. They were getting uh, very close to the end of the season. I believe they had three weeks left on the year before the playoffs started. And uh, very similar to the XFL, they join that league in failure and really Mm -hmm. their inaugural season, even though the XFL will be relaunching next year. So with that in mind... What, if anything, did we learn from the inaugural season of the AAF?
1: Maybe the Sky ref. Yeah, that's coming mm-hmm. to the NBA. I mean, NFL. Because mm-hmm. the NFL, they, they'll steal something they see from these little like, you know what? I'll take
3: that. They um, took the Sky cam from the XFL.
1: That too. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um. Listen. And they took he hate me. <laughs> <laughs> and he played in the Super Bowl too. Uh, professional football, the NFL, and college and you want to sprinkle in high school, depending on where you live. That's basically it. You know, that's the system. That's that's the holy trinity, if you want to say, right? Um, I'm not, I am supportive though, of there being some type of competition to the NFL. I know it's a monopoly and it's you I know, mean, it's it's legit uh me going against Andre the Giant or something like that. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely that. But I don't mind a little competition. Um I just wish, you know, saying maybe there's some more funding with it. It was interesting to see when it first kicked off that they was going to be broadcasting the, the games on an NFL network. So I thought maybe they were trying to influx a little something. Some, but why do that when you have a free system called the college college basketball, <laughs> I mean college football? So um, I don't know. I just I just hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. Um, go to way to dodo. Yeah, I just I, I think it's always good to have some type of competition. I don't like monopolies. You need to have some type of competition. I hope that doesn't kill the spirit of somebody else that might want to do it hmm. down the road.
0: That sounds good. I don't like the the level of play on the lesser teams. Mm. So what you're saying is right and fair. You shouldn't have monopolies, all right? Because we know competition for right. us, the consumer, is supposed to bring us better everything with mm-hmm. competition. So the, I I'm in step with you, but I'm I hate. Lower tier leagues because of especially like football. It's like who's this fat lineman right here that Mm -hmm. you know like that. (laughs) That's one of the things. So it's sad. Uh, Bill Polian is big in it. Uh, Charlie Ebersaw, Dick Ebersol's son. Mm -hmm. They're co-founders of it. Uh, You know, Bill Polian basically left (laughs) his pen for (laughs) this. (laughs) <laughs> hey, man, can I come back up in there real quick, man, to be an insider again, please, what's man? What's up, what's up? Bill
2: My was uh, pretty disappointed. Oh, bro. yeah, he was always. He was How ready. many teams do they
1: have in this league? Like Wait, eight? Eight?
0: eight. Eight teams. Yeah, he was the star. Wow. Hey, look, real quick, this is from Johnny Menzel. If you're an AAF player in the league, this is from Twitter, and the league does dissolve, the last check you get will be the last one that you get. No lawsuit or anything else will get you your bread. Save your money and keep your head up. It's the only choice at this point unless something drastic happens.
1: AKA, I tried that and they told me get the hell out of here. It's
0: like, get your oil money <laughs> and self up out of this boy. He's like, I was just asking. <laughs> <laughs> then he goes on to Twitter, they ain't giving nothing on y'all. <laughs> I'm Johnny Manziel.
3: If if you're Vince McMahon, hopefully you learned your lesson on why the XFL failed the first time. And number two, take what worked in the AAF, AA, AAF mm-hmm. and... You see what they did wrong and apply it to your league so you so you can be more successful when it kicks off next year. The only uh, competition league that that rifled the NFL and the NFL wasn't the NFL back 35 plus years ago was the USFL because they were taking players right off from college and they say, You don't like your draft position it's in the NFL? Money. Yeah, we'll sign you for that bonus. Uh, Jim Kelly, he went from the University of Miami, he played down there in Houston. Reggie White, the late Reggie White, Tom Thayer. Tom Thayer, Tom Tom Thayer, Thayer. yeah. yeah. Uh, and also Herschel Walker too he went mm-hmm. from from college to the USFL
0: but the real only person that was a threat was the AFL because True. they, they forced, merged with them they yeah. forced NFL to take their teams mm-hmm. so that's i mean he, the USFL wanted that Donald Trump was trying his best to get that team in the NFL, but the league does not want to do that. Plus, if you bring – I mean, how many teams they have now, you really would water it down bringing on a huge number. Like, if you brought on six teams right now – Oh, you're talking
2: about oh, like merger? A merger, a merger. Oh, yeah, because no, you're not going to take not, the whole
0: yeah. league, but, I mean, just think about well, it. Well, let's
2: say you took the whole league, there'd be two divisions per conference extra with yeah. eight teams.
0: Yeah. That's a mm. lot. That's Yeah, it's too – like, football They got is,
2: money, but they don't want to oversaturate it. Yeah. And, right.
0: and football is already
1: oversaturated, in my personal opinion. In NFL, is oversaturated.
3: Do you think they'll extend the, um, the regular season to 18 games? Because I think that's coming.
1: Never. No. No. I, like CTE, I
3: think
0: it's coming. See, I'm going to tell you why not. They they put a kibosh that two years ago because they were trying to sneak that one in. With people concerned about CTE, they know PR-wise, they're never going to be able to say, well, getting, we're getting rid of these preseason games where players only play one preseason game the third quarter, right? So how can you tell me getting rid of, if you shorten the preseason to two games, that having two real games where players are playing full goal is safe for players. And we said this back then. Mm-hmm. This is one of the things when we were talking about 18 games, how can you be talking about player safety? You cannot. Right. Now, sitting to go to your point, if players accept that bread, but you... Owners don't want to play players the amount of money players would ask because that's the only thing players have. That's the real carrot NFL players have at the negotiating table. You're going to give us more money? Uh, we're going to play these games? That's like the last carrot they really Maybe, have. maybe if they say
1: you guarantee our contracts we'll play.
0: Yeah, if you guaranteed their contracts, they would do it. That would be the one but thing. But they would never guarantee their contracts. It would, it would mess up the power. It would mess exactly. up the money structure. Exactly. Because, I mean, in all fairness, once you start getting – one guaranteed players, players know they don't have to go out there, and if they're nicked up, that's one thing. But then you start having this dead money from players that are in the training room and not on the field because they have guaranteed money. It's just gonna that would hurt the I NFL. Mean,
1: they have the money, but do they want to spend the money?
2: That's the question. And they'd have to do some restructuring with the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, it's it's it's
0: a
1: lot. It's it's a lot. It's a lot.
2: I think uh, just bringing it full circle with the AF. One thing that I learned from watching it, they had uh, some. St- consistent numbers when it came to ratings about 400,000 like The basketball people. game an NBA game right it, it's not great it's football and you're not going to have great numbers as an inaugural league because you talked about it, Ken you don't have the name you don't have the star mm-hmm. power and if they're not going to go to college and get these athletes what I learned is you need a lot of money first of all because that's what the biggest thing that hurt Jeff Bezos type money right it, they did not have enough money to do the payroll and then I'm always thinking What's the next year? Because you're going to get the curiosity buzz if you're XFL next year, no doubt about it. Then it's going to trail off, and then what do you do in year two to bring that back? Yeah. That's going to be the challenge.
1: Yeah, the only way that uh, a a semi-pro league would happen is if you just didn't have college football. the play If the players, wait, that would be if the players, although we already know they kind of get in the bag anyway, they'd be like, okay, I'm going to get the legal bag. If they come out and say, like, you know what? I'm not gonna go and mess around with your shenanigans NCAA I just want my I want my bread now because I was reading an article and it was talking about how a lot of players coming through the combine these teams are uh, putting the red flags on them already their bodies are already banged up so you're already gonna get like maybe That's two two or three years two or three years out of you so it'll be up to the college football players these and their young teenagers mm-hmm. to actually say like you know what? Now I have this information. I'm gonna use this information in this way. Hey, semi-pro team, I'll come play for you, and then we will have the draft coming out of your system, your league, instead of the NCAA. That's a lot. Question though. though. That's a the that's
0: semi-pro a, team, and does it have age restrictions? Because if mm. that if that co- if that high school kid is getting on there with a 30 year old man, that's true. That's true. Barreling down on him yeah. and that young developing brain, it's and mean, you talking about red flags? <laughs> I they know, like you. <laughs>
2: Flag,
0: flag, flag, flag,
2: flag! Like the problem Hell, is can turn yo, into to a flag old. for the fall. Yeah, I'm
0: like yeah. the problem. Even then, and we already know these kids are getting chewed up in college. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about a stronger league as far as they're playing against grown men or more reps, because one thing at least in college and they do they, they practice. But you still have players that don't necessarily play till maybe their sophomore junior season. So true, there true. isn't the amount of wear. I would think in that situation, everybody's basically playing for the most part. So mm-hmm. those those players, and of course. Big time players play more, but those players are going to have more tread, uh, have less tread on the tire going to the league than they would right now with majority of college players.
2: Yeah. And now uh, one last final question up for grabs. A little fun one, because we had uh, Marvel's Avengers Endgame, another trailer, number three dropped on April 2nd, mm-hmm. teasing some more of potential battle of Thanos versus the Avengers. So I'm asking you guys. What is the one thing you want to see above all else with this movie? And really quick, for me, the one thing I don't want to see is a full reversal of everything that happened at the end of Infinity War.
0: What do you mean by that? Because you know they're bringing most of those characters back to
2: life. That's, what, that's where I have a problem. You can't have all of them. Spider-Man can't, can't have be dead. Spider-Man can't have all of them. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Just wait. Just <laughs> wait.
0: Okay. I okay. I
1: like that.
0: I like that. Wait. So are you saying that, yeah, we reversed it, but what Thanos did, wait, what's the point? They're gone because Thanos halved half of the universes, right? Yes. Right. So you, but this is the universe. This is the point. Universes. No, 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 no you're right. Universe. It's, it's I'm talking about universe. different galaxies. I'm yeah. sorry. Universe. yeah. So, um, you know, you you are always wrong. When what it comes, what are you to talking this. about? What? I mean, <laughs> now you get, no time, what you, you get this one time. You get this one time on me. I know it's just hard. I time. know it's
1: hard when you are wrong. But you're so right. It's hard for me. I know it's hard. It's hard for me.
0: That's called life. All right. So this is the thing. If what you're saying is basically, like, 30% of the universe doesn't come back. they would be like, oh, yeah, that that that, that, <laughs> that world's happened. I no, mean, because Thanos will still win, basically. He'd be like, hey, I took care of the population crunch. See, I'm good, y'all deuces.
2: My problem, though, is you go from full catastrophic event mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. nothing really happened.
0: happened at all. It's
2: going to be close to that. But I it's going to be have, the Avengers that die. Well, see, that's the thing. Yeah. I know it's going to be close, but I need it to be enough. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Cap's I need out. enough. With oh. I know you want to know what I need. Cap
0: dead. <laughs> then I'm good. I'd be like well, i walk in the movie. Thanos choke Cap out, and he'd be like, and I'd be like, you snitch, <laughs> and I walk out. He's all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you rat feek.
2: What do I want to see, Mr. Yeah. America?
0: Yeah. yeah. What do I want to see? Got to tell somebody to kill if they kill your dad. I,
1: I just basically want to see my biggest thing. I just want to see how it spawns, how it spins off to Phase Four. Mm, good one. Uh, how it how what's the next setup? I am you know what I'm looking forward to? Yes, the movie, and the movie's gonna be a three-hour movie, too. The runtime is three hours. Uh but I'm waiting for after the credits to try to see, okay, so what's next? Because I'm I'ma see this, I'ma take that in. But I know what's next. Um You're gonna have some they're gonna have some type of X-Men. I don't think so. I do. I don't think so.
0: I think because I think one of my. I don't think I they can do like, it just yet. They yeah. just legally can do it, and they already they already shot these movies. I think I saw something talking about they shot one of these. Uh, one of those things, quick at one time to put that. that. Well, they shot both of them. They shot Infinity War and, and no, get in end the, game the together, in, like one right. of those in in credits. At the yeah, like look me credits things. I mean, mm-hmm. all, and also they don't necessarily have to show a, 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 an X Men per se because we they, you can hint to it. Yeah, you can sit there and hint to it. Just like for instance, if we go back to uh, the the Batman versus Superman where we started to see the different places that Mm. Batman had kind of seen. Oh, something happened. No, no, no. You know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about it was an Avengers one and they had something And on the map. You can see they they, they knew Wakanda, what was going on. There was something at Wakanda. This is before Mm. the prince was being introduced. Or getting to my point with Batman as far as kind of showing that Batman's investigating these these other super beings, beta humans Mm -hmm. or whatever. I think there's a way for them to sit there and look at the Avengers and Fantastic for cuz I did see Captain Marvel this past weekend and I think they they're going to slowly it'll be the very beginning they're going to slowly start showing us at the end of this what's the next big universal ca- cataclysm because it's going to be like how do we start the storyline to bring everybody together again yeah
1: and and also too with the merge of uh, with the merge with Disney buying Fox you could honestly honestly with the amount of properties that they do have you can you can actually kind of move away from the, Avengers. from the Avengers now you really could I mean we know we're gonna have a trilogy of Captain Marvel we're gonna have a trilogy of um, Black Panther we're gonna have a trilogy Spider-Man. of Spider-Man and this is number two coming out like the what two months after Endgame comes out but now with this new crop of, uh, of properties you don't have to go to that you can literally move the MCU to the Fantastic Four and X-Men you don't have to we don't have to see Black Panther ever again we don't have to see Captain Marvel ever again. People don't do you that with move stuff to that. make that
0: type of money. No, 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 no. What I'm trying to say is that you can saying, move away from that yeah. because now you have new stuff to play with. But you, you have some of the biggest movies of all time, especially in this format people don't leave that type of middle no i think they're going to go through their trilogies
1: yeah. and then they see what's next
2: i wonder if maybe the next ground with superhero movies is maybe taking advantage of the different universes that the comic books have like can you have multiple iron mans but they live in different universes and slightly different you characters have telev-
1: you can't have that with television now you have different like in dc dc had you know saying
0: a um but why True, but it's you could it, put Batman and, Superman. Well, yeah,
1: but it, you can have a kind of a different universe for
0: that. But that's really about this it. Is, but I'll say this: with the Fantastic Four, they do that a lot. Reed Richards, he he he, collapsed with Reed Richards, or if he's a bad Reed Richards, takes out other Reed. Like mm-hmm. Reed does that for so. In Fantastic Four, you you will have other universes probably in the Fantastic Four.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I listen. I'm just looking forward to it in but general. Too. You know what I don't like though? They could have they they don't, they don't need to drop so many trailers. I understand why you're doing it. But, man, I, I just... They're giving away too much. You feel like they're giving away something?
0: Yeah, like they give away man. What's a giveaway that you didn't expect in this one? Well, I, I just want to go in. Honestly... Because I thought... Did someone tell me Thanos' outfit with a little, the... The glove is banged up, right? Yeah. At the end of the
2: at M.D. 4, it was, damage. it was damaged. It was it burnt up. Yeah, it
1: okay. was burnt. But, no, I, I just want to... Like I didn't watch that last trailer. The like last I'm, one? I, no, the one that you got dropped on Man. the second. I mean, I I kind of looked at it, but you know what? I want to go in blind. You should. Sure I watch just
0: that one. shout I out, just, out to Courtney. I listen. You Courtney take all who? my money, my friend Randall. Oh okay. Take all my listen. That that one right there. Because actually, the one I they dropped today, blind. the one they dropped today is the best one. It and really? it's short, yeah. The other ones are kind of just like, what are, are we thinking up? about? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, this one's actually this like, sucks. yeah, this is actually a I'm real. I'm fine with that, though. But we, but know, I'm fine with that. I'm, but it, to me, they didn't give us a lot. We all know they're going to go. I don't go, want no more. We all know that. Nah, it's like the bloody draws. You need to know. <laughs> nope. I don't want no more. I don't you know, to know. La, la, this, one, this one's like the first, like, we all know they're going to go after Thanos. Yeah. So yeah. basically, that's all they're talking about. Like, man, we low on front. Man, we got to do it anyway. And it's just like, okay. It's like, that one, this is the one is actually when I feel like the other ones, I was hyped, but my hype wasn't legit all the way, wasn't 100% legit. Mm. This was closer to being 100% okay. legit. Okay. Like, it was like, okay, I, I feel that one, We right. got two more weeks to it, so. You got the black man walking, the Don Chino walking. I'm mm. like, man, don't let them get to your back out more in that space. machine. Like, I know that machine is all you got, brother. Like, so
1: wait, real quick, you think Captain's going to die? I know he's going to die. Okay. Ryan, who do you think? Although you Ooh. don't you don't want nobody to come back to life, but he wants everyone do Be the only Personally, person.
2: Whoever lives should just stay alive. Okay.
1: Okay. All right. Um, I think Cap is definitely gonna go because I haven't heard anything about Chris Evans in the uh up and re-upping and up You his killed
0: Iron Man and put him in producer a week ago. <laughs>
1: hey, I did. <laughs> um I don't know, I don't know what I don't think. Listen, none of them. Chris. Uh, both was Chris, Chris. right? Evans. Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. I'm Hemsworth. saying his name, right? Hemsworth. 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 And um Robert Downey Jr., they haven't re-upped any of these contracts. They're they're, they're not saying that they won't, yeah.
0: but they haven't but they would, come up. I now. don't think they would right now because it would tell you the plot anyway. Yeah. You'd they be can, like, can, oh yeah, with, him, Hemsworth cameos, and Downey so. Jr. got new fresh contracts. You'd be like, well, you know they're coming back. Yeah, or they ain't dead. Yeah, so
2: <laughs> Man, I killed it with the questions. You no,
1: did. Not really. You did. That was a pretty good job there, Ryan. Was the first ever Up for Grabs with Ryan Bukovsky alright we're coming back we're going to now reach out and talk to Bob, Bobby Valentine former MLB manager and player about this current MLB season D&D show this is Brian and this is Bobby from the Alternative Fact
0: Chicago and you're listening to the Dean and show Dean Davis show recording at 6-7 to score right now. We're lucky enough to have on former player and manager and right now athletic director at Sacred Heart University, Bobby Valentine. How are you doing, Bobby Valentine?
4: Well, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for letting me uh, be on your fabulous show. And yeah, that's Sacred Heart University, beautiful Fairfield, Connecticut, home of Division One sports and uh, great student-athlete
0: what's there you going go. on guys listen I, 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 one of the questions we both kind of wanted to ask you about was about sacred heart mm-hmm. like what kind of led you into being an ad and and also becoming an ad you grew up you're a baseball player now you're involved in all the sports at the university how different is it and what kind of have you learned did you didn't expect you're going to learn you would be learn as being an ad wow
4: yeah, great question uh yeah you know i did baseball for 40 years or so uh I also did some businesses, and, uh, you know, now the last five, six years, I've been the athletic director, and it's been spectacular. You know, it's a small university of uh, 5,600 under- undergrads and 3,000 uh, postgrads. Uh, we have 32 Division One teams, 800 athletes. It, it's just a, a growing, vibrant uh, place, and, and I'm just so happy I, I had this opportunity to Not only talk to you and tell you guys that, but also be with these spectacular coaches and student athletes who do nothing but strive to be the best that they can be every day of their life.
1: All right, Bobby, it sounds good, but you got to let us know what's the what's been the biggest pain in the butt as far as being an AD.
4: Well, probably the NC two A. You know, I mean, they have a lot of rules and regulations that I'm not very good at following. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or <regulations>, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, nothing nothing has changed there. Uh, but you know, other than that, you know, the parents and the and the coaches and the and the students uh are, are an absolute choice.
0: Dan Davis on the line. we're lucky enough to have Bobby Valentine join us. Bobby, let me ask you this here in Chicago. Both of our teams are one and three, depending on what side of town you root for, it doesn't matter. Neither one are doing well. I was doing a little T V Sunday and I was talking about it's early. I want to ask you about the Cubs in the NL Central. Uh looking at how the Cubs performed last year and then some of how some of how they played in spring training, uh what's your expectations for the Cubs this season?
4: Well I think they have the best uh talent in that division. Um and you know they won a heck of a lot of games last year and, and played poorly. So uh I think that they could they could play a little better and, and uh win a lot of games this year. I see no reason that they shouldn't win the division. Uh, I see no reason that they shouldn't be in the playoffs, and then it's kind of a crapshoot. But uh, it, it would be nice if they cleaned cleaned up their act a little. You know, I saw the six errors the other day, and you know their star star power hasn't really come to the forefront yet. But you know, it's it's very early, and uh, four games absolutely dead. doesn't even make a week. Never mind a season. They're going to be fine.
0: Right now, the, the you have Joe Madden in his lame duck year. How hard is it, you being a former manager, to manage your team in a lame duck year, depending on if the players necessarily believe the front office is behind you or not?
4: Well, you know, it's not real hard for the individual manager, but it's sometimes hard for the players to actually buy into the program. Some guys who aren't, um, uh, you know, up front and kind of a teacher's pet might be thinking, hey, I'm going to get another opportunity with somebody else uh so let's play let's play these cards out but you know joe has the respect of just about everyone in the game i'm sure he has the respect of his his team and his clubhouse so uh i don't think he's worried about being in in that last year of his contract and i don't think it's going to make that much difference with his team
0: Last one for the NL Central, you said that you have the Cubs winning it all, but do you look at the Brewers again being the team that's going to challenge them, or the fact that the Cards did a lot in this offseason, and they may usurp the Brewers and be on the Cubs heels? Which team do you think will finish second or challenge the Cubs?
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be the the Cardinals uh, over the Brewers. I I loved what the Brewers did last year, and I love that Yellich is uh, getting off to such a great start. and. I like the fact that they've been able to use their bullpen so efficiently, but um, I, I don't think they have enough of firepower to to play with the Cubs all year.
1: Bobby, this is D. Um, going back to Joe Madden real quick, do you think the Cubs are making mm-hmm. a, do you think the Cubs are making a mistake by not extending him? I mean, I'm sure you cross paths with uh, Joe in in, in, a, in a major leagues. He's won a championship, brother, first championship here in Chicago in 108 years on the North Side. Do you think they should re up him?
4: Well, I always think that uh, people I know and people uh, that I can call friends should get uh, lifetime contracts. But, yeah, you know what you what you see going on now is it's more like the lifetime of the goldfish, uh, and and uh, it, the contracts don't last that long with uh, managers, and and you know managers who are making a lot of money seem like uh, they're they're going by the wayside. You know, that this is now a a middle management job, a job that doesn't get paid more than, you know, the vice presidents and general managers. And um, it it just seems like it's one of those places that ownership has gone to uh, cut the the payroll. And uh, because the manager isn't uh, evaluated in in an analytical uh, way and you can't... um, you know, totally va- understand the value of a manager because it's um, you know a lot of what he does is subjective. I I think you're you're finding young managers being hired because they're not going to make as much money, and uh, mm. that's just the way of the land.
1: Do you think the analytics side of ball you you bring it up, uh, or even if you know it, just bring you into into modern day? Uh, if he was managing right now like how would you work with like the analytics or how would you work with in in these times as a manager with, with these organizations and these players?
4: Well, I think the same way, uh, you know, I did forever just by gathering as much information as possible. Today, you have a lot more information than you had even five years ago when I was, you know, managing, or maybe it's uh, more than that, seven years ago when I was Mm -hmm. managing up in Boston. But, um, You know, as a manager, as a leader, you want as much information as possible so you're never surprised when something happens out on the field. And, um, you know, I'd use it to the best of my ability, yet, uh, you know, you you can't teach experience and you sure heck can't get what's going to happen out of uh, a computer. You can get what has already happened and you can see the data of what uh, might happen. But uh, thats uh, you, you still have humans playing the game of baseball, and you have to let them play it out.
0: Dean Davis on the line right now. We have Violet, Bobby Valentine, Athletic Director at Sacred Heart and former MLB Manager and Player. Also, check out the Bobby Valentine Sports Academy at... BVP Sports Academy in Stanford, Connecticut. We got to get all your stuff in here, Bobby. There you go, Bobby. We got you. You're doing it for me. You (laughs) take care of us. We're going to take care of you. Look, I want to get into the Sox, but before we jump into the Sox, you look at the fact that in the American League, it really is showing itself to be the junior circuit with the strength of the National League. How do you feel about these teams that do total teardowns and the fan base, fans have to go through, and we're we're split here as far as fans base, but me and D are both Sox fans, have to wait years in order to get any type of, I don't even say contention, but the team to have a winning record. Are, are you pro-complete teardown, or is there some happy
4: medium? Well, you know, teams have tried to do it uh, halfway and, and continued to be mediocre and, and middle-tiered teams. Um, I, I think you have to be committed one way or the other. You either have to be going for it or you have to be totally rebuilding it. The thing is, for fans, that you have to have total faith in those who are rebuilding it. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get into uh, a continuous cycle of rebuilding and firing people, hiring new people, and starting all over again. So, it, it, it's a tough it's a tough world out there. It's there's a lot of money to be made. The the owners are making a lot of money. Um, the players are trying to make as much money as they can. There's an awful lot of talent out there, and the young talent uh, right now is as good as it's ever been. So, you know, maybe you could get uh, catch lightning in the bottle by rebuilding, and while you're rebuilding, also have really good young players that help you contend.
0: You mentioned money, and, and Ronald Acuna Jr. signed for $100 a day, and here in Chicago, before he even made it to the majors, you have Eloy Jimenez uh, signing for $50 million basically. What are the pros and cons of shi- signing these players that are on control years as far as you, you're giving them stability, but I won't say they haven't earned it, but is there a fear that these these players could get fat before and, and not bust their tail the way they would if they hadn't had this money behind them?
4: Well, you know, you're, you're speaking like you've, you've been there and done that, you know, I when, when long-term contracts first came into vogue back in uh, the early 80s, uh, and I was managing a team as a, a young 35-year-old manager, I had <clears throat> had my owner ask me a similar question. He said, uh, Is, these long-term contracts, and that time long-term was three years, you know. Mm. <laughs> now it's like a decade. But um, he said, are these long-term contracts uh, good to give out to players? And I said, well... You know, you have to look inside the player's heart and look inside his mind. If what he's trying to do is get to the Hall of Fame, a long-term contract's fine because he's going to play as good as he can possibly play every day of his life. If he's looking to just buy the house on the hill and live comfortably the rest of his life, then don't give that guy a long-term contract because he's going to take it down a notch or two as soon as he has the money in his pocket. So, I I think it's an individual thing mm. as to whether or not it hinders or hurts a career. And um you know, they're rolling the dice when they when they give someone money based totally on talent without getting to know the kid, the, the the player at all, not not knowing how he's going to be affected by family situations that might occur and injuries that might occur. I think you're really rolling the
0: dice. I know you and Charlie Finley thought it should be a, a year contract, and I'm sure players would complain. I wonder how you would feel it when you as a player if, if that was the type of situation. Looking at these contracts that have been given out, and during the offseason there was talk of perhaps a work stoppage, but players are now getting paid at the very top end. We know that the second tier isn't necessarily getting paid, but young players, uh, control-eligible players, are getting paid. Do you think there's going to be a work stoppage now when it seems like the MLB is trying to make sure that you Union won't have a a strong enough leg to stand on to go to the players to tell them they're going to be missing checks.
4: Well, you've done your homework, and you know what you're talking about. Um, Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a work stoppage, but there needs to be a new collective bargaining agreement. They need to tear the old one up and figure out how to move forward together. Uh, The players have had a seat at the table for a long time. I think they feel right now that – they're they're without a seat at the table, and um, you know that bargaining is going to get really tough to get that seat back. But uh, I think I think um, you know sm- smarter minds will prevail, and uh, they won't have a stoppage. They'll have an agreement, and hopefully, it's an agreement that um, works for both sides.
1: D and Davis showing Line with us right now. Bobby Valentine uh, broadcasting or recording right here at six seventy score. Uh, Keeping along those, the same trend, do you think this is a trend now? As far as younger players, do you think owners are now just going to go to these younger players, like, "Hey, listen, you're 21 years old. Here's a hundred million dollars." You know, is that going to is that now going to be the trend?
4: Wow, um, I I don't think it's going to uh, necessarily be the trend or be the norm because there aren't many players uh, like. Um, uh junior uh, around, you know, he'll, he'll set the bar. I think. And uh, when you, when you think about how young he was and how much he, he, he um, excelled on the field and the numbers that he, that he had as a young player, it's going to be hard for other younger players to uh, do that well at the same age. So they'll make less than him a um, hundred million dollars. though. It's a lot of money, mm-hmm. and um, when it's spread out over ten years, I guess it's not worth not that much money. How many years was his contract for?
0: It's basically nine years. Uh, it's it's nine options, years. Right? Yeah. The, the options, which the big money, it gets him to twenty twenty eight. Right.
4: Right. Well, I mean, that's one of those. That's one of those things. I I don't have the crystal ball to look t- ten years down the road, um, but you know. W- We'll see what it's like, and it's all I could say. Just like you're saying, we'll see what it's like ten years from now when we're mm-hmm. looking at Harper, Machado, and and uh, the other young players now that are getting ten-year contracts. I think that's an awful long time to be committed to one player. One
1: more before I get to the White Sox. You ever thought you'd see someone get a four hundred million dollars contract?
4: Well, I did not, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, because like you said, with Charlie Finley and I, uh, we're on the same soapbox of everyone should play one year and, and earn their salary and play the next year and mm. matter of fact I remember in nineteen seventy three I was offered a three year contract and I told the general manager, No, you haven't even seen me play yet. Wow. Wait until you see me play, I'll take just a one year contract and I broke my leg that year and just never offered anything but a multi month contract after that. Mm. So uh, you, you know, you you have to see How it's going to work out, but $40 million a year, I guess that's a good wage for an entertainer who has 162 live performances during, during one year at the highest level of performance that there is. Um, I, I don't think it's overpaying them, but it sure is a big number.
1: Yeah, I'll take it. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, as Ken said, we're both White Sox fans, and as you said before, we, you know the White Sox kind of t- tore everything down and kind of rebuilding through the uh, through the through acquisitions of young talent and bringing them up through the farm system. What do you think about the White Sox right now? Do you do you like their plan? Do you like the uh, young roster coming up?
4: I have to be very honest with you. I'm, yeah. Ignorant of the of the White Sox team, they are uh, nationally. Yeah, don't worry about it. They have not been on my radar. Yeah, I, I, like I mentioned, I have thirty two Division One sports teams that that I'm with. I follow a few teams uh, religiously because I'm here in the New York market, and a few teams that I'm personally associated with. But the White Sox and I have our our paths have never really crossed, except for. I remember 1974 playing opening day there when it was snowing and we had 18 streakers, one streaker every (laughs) half inning. I was playing left field. So I had an up close and personal look at some of those, butt, those butts and boots.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, welcome to Chicago on the South Side. Yeah, no, that's not Chicago <laughs> South Side.
0: Look, look, I do know one time that the socks were on your radar, and we were enjoying ourselves, Bobby, and you were in Japan, and you wanted Chippewa to come and take what was rightfully ours in our world championship.
4: Ah, <laughs> I love that you remember that. That's that's amazing. You know, I thought if anyone would would take the debate, it would be Aussie. Mm. And after Aussie, we had that world championship and I had it, a Japanese championship. And, you know, the uh, idea of doing things for charity was up front and, and, and center at the time. I thought if they came over and met us halfway in Hawaii, if we played a seven-day game series where all the proceeds went to charity, that it might be a very good thing for baseball. I wish that we they accepted it. The only problem obviously is that uh, you know then you'd have a real world championship instead of just a North American championship and who the hell would want that?
0: Last one, you mentioned that, that you could have signed that three year contract and you told the, the the GM, you know what, see me first and you've had a terrific career without that little bit of money and I'm saying a little bit like I can get it right now. If you can go back would you've taken that contract?
4: Well, I've been really lucky, so when I, when I think about going back, it'd be hard for me to say I want, I'd want to change anything. I, I've i been a really lucky guy in my life. Things have always broken for me. Even when I broke my leg, it turned out to be an, an all-right thing, I guess, for me. And uh, uh, I, I guess I wouldn't change much at all. Regrets, I have a few, mm-hmm. but that's not one of them.
1: Bobby, thank you so much for we hopping on with it. it. Uh you gotta come back. Yeah, yeah, we'll love to have you back on go down memory Any, lane.
4: Anytime anytime you need to fill the airways with some of my BS, call me nah. back and I'd be glad to be on your show, guys. I I, I have to you ask you. Job.
1: When you come back, I have Very to ask good. you about the mustache in the in the dugout. I just gotta ask you about huh? that. I was a young I was a young baseball fan and I sort of like, you know what yeah, I like We gotta that get guy.
0: into some Mets days.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> gotta Twenty years ago that was, guys. Think wow. about that for a say that's 20 years ago we're talking about wow. two seconds two minutes in time 20 years ago and uh it was all about bringing a little levity to the exactly. guys mm-hmm. who are a little too uptight you yeah. know they're worried about what was going to happen instead of enjoying what what was happening and um i'm glad the guys smiled i'm glad we got the hit glad we won the game i i'm not so glad that i had to pay ten thousand dollars and fine <laughs> and sit out two games and watch my team play but um It's one of those things I'm I'm remembered for. So once again, what a thing, a mustache, glasses, and a hat 20 years later.
1: There you go. Hey, best of luck to all the teams out there at Sacred Heart University as well too, Bobby.
4: You guys are kind. Thank you very much. Great show. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank Thank you. you. That was Bobby Valentine, former MLB player and manager, and also the uh, athletic director at Sacred Heart University up in Connecticut.
0: Can't wait to talk to him again. I, yeah, I, I wanted to. I was going to let you do that when I know that was one of yours, but I also wanted to use that to expound upon characters, like and ask him about baseball missing characters. Today, yeah, especially yeah. when it comes to managers. You right. know, like how does he feel about that, and how much better would it be? Like,
3: do we boom.
1: have anybody like that now? Anybody? I mean,
3: if was the last one Ozzie? Really? Joe. I was gonna say Joe Man to a lesser yeah. extent. and it's not the type <laughs> yeah, yeah, of fiery. Thing, right? yeah, yeah, it's
0: not the, the the type of fiery type of Zimmer. You, know, um, right, you right. know, like those guys. And, Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, Lupinella. Yeah, Tom, Lou Piniella. Just, yeah don't, mm-hmm. yes. yeah. You know, you don't have those type of guys. So it would be interesting from him being a guy that can go back. Also, they bring him back because he's just a well of information. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, when You yeah, got people is. like that, especially he with the stories. national pastime. Yeah. It would be great to go back. That's one thing about baseball that makes baseball so cool, that you have uh, so much history behind it. So uh, that was a great interview. I look forward to talking to him. Yeah,
1: that him. was a good time. All right, come on back. The end, of Show. Yo
0: what up It's your man Jay Ella, Official Chicago Bears DJ And you are listening to The D and Show Turn it up D and David's show, we want to thank Bobby Valentine for joining us. Great content. Can't look to, to talk forward to talk to him down the line and really start keying in on some of the, the old history of baseball so we can bring it to our listeners because that's an integral part of the game. Uh, it's our last segment right now. Um, pretty good show so far. Mm-hmm. You know, we had our boy Scott Phillips on, and we gave you uh Up for Grabs with Ryan Bukovetsky. Sid's in here. Sid, real quick, let them know where they can find you on Thursday.
3: You can listen to Second City Sports with myself, Lakina McGee, and Jason Pfeiffer. That's every Thursday at 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time on ChicagoLandSportsRadio.com. You can watch us live at Illinois Media School on Facebook. That's Facebook.com backslash Illinois Media School.
0: Uh, two things we want to talk about real quick is uh, Russell Wilson's contract demand as far as wanting a negotiation to happen at a certain time prior to the season. And unfortunately, the untimely death of Nipsey Hussle. Ryan, real quick, can you break down what's going on with Russell Wilson?
2: Basically, Russell Wilson is in his last year of his contract that he signed, I believe, July 31st of 2015. He's looking for an extension, obviously, on his deal. And he wants a new contract for April 15th because that is when the Seahawks will start their offseason program workouts.
1: He's going to get his money. I mean, starting quarterback what he did last season,
2: they're not going to Yeah. Do that. And one thing, he did sign his contract right before the start of training camp with his previous extension. Mm. which caused the team to self-destruct. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no more Legion of Boom. No, and they was like, I, They're looking at his contract like, what the hell? We got him that money. Uh, listen, uh, compared to when he signed that deal, and it, I won't say it was on potential, but it was on the fact that he was going to get better to the point where he can earn it, earn it. And I'm not taking anything away from him. He's one of the top QBs in the NFL. Yeah. Now he is that, and there's no reason how this team is built now for them to get rid of such a key piece, and they've gotten, they've shed it when you look at the fact that uh Earl Thomas is now gone. The 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 guys that retired last season and Cam Chancellor and um what was the the uh, the lineman's name that uh oh what was the defensive cool. end's name? No Cliff Averill? Chris Averill, Cliff Averill's Abrel. retirement. Abrel. Yeah. You know, and so a, a lot of the heavy contracts they've got now because it was on the defensive side, but they've rejuvenated that defense somewhat. Mm-hmm. So now it's 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 not gonna be as bad, even though when you pay him it's going like quarterback's contracts throw everything out of out of whack but it seems like that team is kind of prepared for it to a certain degree but still it's going to come back to haunt them the offensive line is seeming like it's improving they basically had dudes off the street B- b- the offensive of lineman. They the turn Guard, the season around. That they turn shit. it. Listen, they turn yeah. it. Who knows what they're going to do this year? Mm-hmm. So um, look, I mean, it, to me, I think he's going to get his money. I, it, it doesn't really make any sense to not give him his money. Uh, what are you going to do without Russell Wilson? If they were going to do a teardown, they may as well have done it last season to get into this draft that could get a higher draft pick in this year's draft. I would think so. I don't think there's any problem. I'm, I'm sure he's just he's just telling them, hey. He's just starting to set a line in the sand. So Mm -hmm. they basically, Let's I don't want to drag this out. Let's get this done. So we'll see if they do it. Russell
1: Wilson right now is 30 years old. He'll be 31 and 29. You look at the way the NFL is going. Quarterbacks can't play a long time. He's been relatively pretty healthy in his career. Um, Knock on wood, you know, saying nothing happens to him coming up. My only question is, how much is the contract going to be?
0: It's going to be top five in the NFL. Yeah, top five quarterback. Player. Yeah, that's. What I, I mean, like, who? I just want to see the final number. he's gonna not pay him? Yeah. he's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. He's then a two. He won top. two. He's a he's an MVP candidate. Really, the last three years, if mm-hmm. he's healthy. Mm-hmm. If he's healthy, he's in the top five for MVP. Yeah. So you can't you can't hate on.
1: That it's player. almost kind of like he's taking over that um that um uh, that platform as a small quarterback that can do it. You know, saying Drew, and he's smaller than Drew Brees. Yeah, he
0: he helped get uh he helped, he's gonna help get Kyler Murray some money. Yep. Sure is, sure is. Yes, yeah. yes, he, he, he is. He, yes he, 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 he is. He helped get uh Baker Mayfield some money. Yeah. So he's uh,
1: a prototype, right? now. he's a prototype, but uh but yeah, he's still doing it. So my other question is, what's what is that final number gonna be? And how and how are the Seahawks gonna kind of like work around it and see what they can keep keep it going? Cause like I said before, they turn that season around, it's like, damn, they are. They're doing pretty well
2: right now. Yeah. And on the back of Russell Wilson. For Probably. contrast, Aaron Rodgers signed the uh, top pay scale deal last year. He averages thirty three point five million a year.
0: That's gonna I, be a problem to break that
2: one. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they'll be able to break that. Because they
0: want to win too. They want to yeah. win too. Aaron Rodgers was like, "Y'all not gonna try to win. Give me all my bread. <laughs> I know how y'all do things around here. I want all of the paper right now. And for those three years, I was behind Favre. Give me my money.
1: So we thinking maybe what between twenty twenty five?
0: No, it's gonna if he's twenty twenty five. He said he is thirty three. Thirty three. He's averages. gonna get. He's gonna be. It's gonna be around thirty.
2: 30? Well, the other thing too is, 30? does the cost come down if it's fully guaranteed, like with Kirk Cousins? Ah,
1: and, and we just then we, we just saw like a nice little string of quarterbacks just getting like the straight. Well, not even quarterbacks. I think players, right, just getting that straight guaranteed money. Uh, that's something. That's something to think about.
3: Yeah, it was mostly quarterbacks, only, especially with Kirk Cousins' deal. I think all days guaranteed. That, only yeah.
0: thing with that, I would say no, is because Kirk Cousins was still in a way on a, it's a prove-it deal for an extremely high commodity. So you knew this guy mm-hmm. who had been waiting, who kept getting tagged and wanted to get paid. You still, I think the Vikings still like, yeah, we trust you, but still, let's see. So it's like, why don't we do this? Because basically the Vikings deal is a, is to renegotiate his contract. And that was a
1: three or four-year deal. I thought three, it was three. three, yeah. three it's basically
0: years. after this season to go back to the table. That's mm-hmm. how that deal is structured. So we can like that they can use that last year and then come back and be like, all right, let's try to do this again. But I don't think when, when you look at the fact that Seattle wants to hold on to him and they already know. Know what he what, who he is, are going to be like, let's do three guarantee years. And nobody's going to give a quarterback five guarantee years. True, true. So I don't see that happening. It's going to be like, let's do five or six. This is how much money. And then basically, time when Russell Wilson is 35, let's go back to the table again and get to that deal again. It's going to end up probably like how Drew Brees is with the last year, get a two year deal or whatever, something like that. I mean, further down is what I'm saying.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I totally agree. He's, he's going to get paid. Ain't good for him. NFL, NFL teams.
2: Oh, it's like Ken mess players all the time. Who are they paying? Like, like who is their guy? Yeah, they yeah, don't have any defensive player other than Bobby Wagner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who they already have under contract, and mm-hmm. he knows it, right? Like Russell Wilson's your team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want to go back to uh, the quarterback desert if no. you're Seattle. I don't you think you definitely don't. I don't think any team would really would. I mean, you find that
1: guy. It's like man, and he got them. Super, they went to two. He should have won two Super Bowls, back to back Super
0: Bowls. Man, you better hold I on. to He lost one. Yeah, you can't should, say he should have won. He, he threw the pass. Guess, bad what, guess what quarterbacks can do? It's Run crazy. The ball it's a crazy play. thing. No, I know. No, no, it's called, called audible. audible. Yeah, that's true. It's like, do I want to have two Super Bowls on the That's true. No, 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 and me be I, the hero yeah, of the second one? Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to get this this MVP. That, what what year was that Super Bowl? That'd be four or five
1: years ago. Four or five years ago. So he's like, what, 25 years old then?
2: Okay. Well, he went to the Super Bowl his second year in the league? Yeah.
1: Second and third. Yeah. Yeah. They won that one. The great Russell Wilson.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, unfortunately, and I know this is, we talked about a little earlier, as far as when I was at Sports Feet. Shout out to everybody at Sports Feet. You really do a great job helping us out here with the D and Davis and bringing the guys on. We look forward to Ryan being on there in the future. Um, Nipsey Hussle was murdered out in Los Angeles in front of his Marathon clothing store in his old neighborhood, um pretty sad. I was a uh, I was a fan of Nipsey Hussle. I think I remember I was thinking in my head one of the last times I talked about him I think it was a, um it was driving in to do Dean Davis and I think we were talking about victory lap and I was like, "Yeah, I really love mm-hmm. some Nipsey Hussle." Um I I remember at our old job I started taking long walks and he was one of the people that I really played. This was his Crenshaw mixtape with DJ Drama that I really played. And I, I remember the first time I saw Nipsey Hussle was a kid, I'm like, who's this snoop looking dude with the screenshot pullover and the <laughs> yeah. Mercedes Wing in the video, right? But the thing was from then, and that may have been like 09, to see his growth with just rhyming outside of the type of character he was. And then another thing about Nipsey, if you liked him, the fact that the type of character he was made you like him more, uh, even with his, his rhymes that, you know, would talk about his street life. There was a progression where it wasn't staying in the same vein. It was, it was, it, it wasn't like, a, and I'm not dissing rappers for doing this. It wasn't a rapper like I'm not rapping about gangster rap anymore and still rapping about gangster rap. It was a progression about like this is what y'all need to be doing and this is what y'all need to be focusing on. Still, not saying he wasn't talking about some fly stuff. But still, that was cool. And then to see how uh, monetarily and being the entrepreneur, he just signed that, got that deal with Atlantic, a partnership to Mm -hmm. put out his first studio album or whatever. I remember reading something about a month ago talking about how he was helping people and even back in the days he was making low or uh, well, high five digits, uh, maybe uh, six uh, digit salaries monthly, just talking about when he was being independent doing it. So it was it was showing a way to kind of get it that a lot of people hadn't get it and it's just a lot of respect uh, going out to him. The, the alleged killer was uh, arrested today. They put out uh, his uh, photo and his name. I know it was, uh, you probably want to bleep this, cuz. Unfortunately, it's the name of the crypt. That's his that, street, street that's a name. That's the street name that uh, did it. Um trying to just, find his real name. It's really just sad. I mean, it was. it's one of those things that you looking at somebody who just got, almost won a Grammy. And you're talking about your first studio album.
2: Mm.
0: Almost won a Grammy. Uh, happy with the woman that you're in love with and your child, fiance. And to sit there and really be on top and breaking through to where you you're hitting to being and, and outside of just the hip hop world a, a really big star and coming from, it only helps being in Los Angeles and people in Los Angeles knowing you knowing it's one of the media capitals to sit there and tragically be taken out over some BS is just it's it's, it's sad regardless yeah. of you know how you know and this debate is about you know was the government involved and I, what, no. Yeah, no. But I, even with people saying that, with people trying to smack it down, I think the argument itself is is silly. I think people that are saying don't trust the government and we know the government do things like this is accurate. And like, I, I, yeah, the history of what history, happened with African-American, and that's African-American and that's, that's, yeah That's the thing. Like for to think that some African-Americans like it's impossible is like, okay, now that's how they get you. Mm-hmm. So that's my, that's my, mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. caveat towards it when saying that to yeah. Uh, yeah, how it looks, no, but to sit there and just get upset. There's nothing to be upset about when people are, are trying to point something out. If someone cries wolf, uh, Nine times, and that tenth time is facts, and it helps your ass. You better appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Twenty-nine-year-old LAPD confirmed it. Uh, Eric Holder is his name, Uh, and from the stories that I've heard or or stories I've read in uh, uh, interviews that I saw, it was basically it was one of these cases, and what happens a lot within uh, gun violence or domestic violence, if you want to say it, is usually always something that's always somebody that you know, Mm -hmm. and he knew this cat. And it was basically over some words. I, uh, Nipsey said Nipsey said that he was a snitch. He was with his girl. His ego got hurt. He went back. He got a gun. He confronted him and he shot him. That we've heard that story a million times. But I always say this. and I think I've said it on the show and definitely probably on D and Davis the flip. You know you're gonna get caught, right? You're not thinking. You, your, your pride and your ego is hurt so much as a man that you're not thinking what you're going to do is going to basically ruin someone else's life, millions of people's lives—not millions, but his uh, his network—and you're basically throwing your life away because your ego and your pride is hurt. And he was out there taking pictures with pictures with fans when all this happened. And as Ken said, when he was on TV, our guy Gabe Mendoza shot the weekend. gave, he sent us a text like, "Hey, we heard Nipsey got shot." Well, I saw it. And Nipsey got shot, basically. And within like minutes, people putting up videos of him shot on the ground or a live IG or Facebook live. And one video of that I saw and I had to turn away from like, oh, this is way too
0: much. They was giving him CPR. I didn't see any of that because yeah. I was on, I was doing sports feed. Yeah. So and I didn't see any of that. So his, so somebody, I only saw the, the distance when the TMZ got out. Right.
1: No, it was somebody was was basically, here I am in the studio. Okay. Y'all don't know. but Why? I don't Why what? Why would they show a lot that? people filming that? I mean, but you know what? I know it's, I, it's, the world It's, it's, it's the but world, it's just, and everybody has that camera in their hand. You to film that. You and need to film they that. Was, they was like, oh, man, and they just whipped up their phones. But you know what? They could have had their phones out already
0: I get that. because it was out there with them. I time him. to turn
1: it off Yeah, we get
0: to that point.
1: And they was, it was one video basically showing them, giving them CPR. You can't survive. I don't know where you got shot, but you can't obviously. You got can't shot survive. in his head and his body. His body. And um, you can't survive a gunshot to the head if you give them CPR. That's possible. It's unlikely, but it's possible. And they were showing those kind of videos and things like that. So it spread over social media very quickly. Uh, but no, it's just one of those cases where somebody that you know, that person got close and that person killed another person. And also on another level. This guy was doing so much for the neighborhood, so much for the community. I saw an old, an old interview with him. He looked really young then. Mm-hmm. And an interviewee, interviewee was asking, like, man, why don't we have all the gold chains and things like that? Now, obviously, when he got a little bit more bread and he probably didn't have it then, he was able to, you know, say floss a little bit. But he was saying, like, hey, man, listen, I'm trying to get into real estate. And this is when he was a very young age. And he was doing it. Until his untimely death. Mm-hmm. I think he was, I saw, I read an interview saying he was going to buy that little strip mall where his clothing store. I don't know if he had did it yet, but he said he was going to do it. So this is someone that was actually giving back to the community. Yes, he could have had a past that was rougher than others. Uh, but most people come to him in circumstances and make it up, they do. Um, but that's no reason to let your pride and your ego get to you to take someone's loved one, someone's father an inspiration to a lot of people around the world within his music to take him away because of this. And do you know you're gonna get caught? The surveillance, the, surve- fame. Uh, the uh, Possibly. That's, that's, possi- that's possible. You kill me, you're famous. If you, I kill you, you am Brainless. Am brainless. Yeah. Be- and brainless. The yeah. They had surveillance video out literally the next day. Yeah. Where do you think you're gonna get to? So he probably. Where you gonna go? Hey, it's hey, on. It's, I think they about found as him as in Bellflower.
0: Yeah, Belfort suburb.
1: I am though for the streets talking for the street side of it. I'm surprised that nobody touched him before law got to him.
0: He got away. He got out. I mean, he was in a suburb someplace. He was in Bellflower. I think that was the name of the suburb. He got low. He got super low. He got low. And the cops found him in time. No, he got... Because he was going to get touched. They say the hit was out on him. Yeah, he was going to get... And also, too, real quick... They're both from the same gang, too. Yeah, they're both
1: both, uh, Crips. Rolling 60s? Yeah. Uh, Also, too, they had the... uh, The the Ceremonies of Villages...
0: uh, Vigils. uh,
1: Vigils, thank you. Out there uh, yesterday... Those turned kind of violent. People Some thought they were shooting. Some people said it's shooting, not true. That's that that's, they were not turning violent? No,
0: like, so what initially what was said was three people got stabbed. Yes. What I heard today was one girl came out and said, that's not what happened. A girl, okay. there, were okay. three that's good to hear. there were three different vigils there. And as far as the vigils, we're talking about the candle, the lit candles and everything like that. A girl mm-hmm. was on the edge of one and fell and cut crack, herself cut her, okay and, and she, the, All I'm just going from what I heard I, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. said that the girl said I got it on video so people were saying it wasn't necessarily what they're saying as far as that there was this type of violence and that led to people starting to scram- or starting to stampede as far as disperse or running yeah, away thinking scared. something, yeah, something I was scared I was scared. especially at a murder
1: scene yeah thinking yes. somebody gonna come back and be retaliation or something like that yeah, yeah. I mean what if dude did get touched and you know saying now you coming back from somebody else and, and then uh, I
0: think a, 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 a recently uh, L.A it's kind of been a, a, a cake a powder cake as far as violence has kind of ticked up, even though L.A. and Chicago's murder rate is lower than ours here mm-hmm. in Chicago, but violence has kind of kicked up a little bit, mm-hmm. so uh, it was a, another, another worry that you may have these sets tripping and going at each All other. Right. I would think, i.e. back to the, and it's fun, fun again, when Pac died, and you had war and factions of gangs going at each other as soon as that took right. place.
1: And I, I wasn't the biggest uh, fan of his music. Not saying that I didn't like it, I just wasn't up on it like that. I did listen to Victory Lap, and it was really, really good, but I liked the man outside of the music industry, on what he was doing for his community. And I think that's what, like, a lot of people are starting to learn about Nipsey Hussle. It's like, young, I got Creighton Hart. He tweeted out, he's like, I had no idea who he was. But you said, but now looking more into him and hearing stories about him, the guy was a great guy. And it's sad that somebody took him away. So I, I think I'm a, I think I'm a no, not no more, but I think I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a lean more towards that and What he was doing for the community and the business, and his and him being a very smart, very smart businessman. That's what I remember. Remember, um, Nipsey Hussle mostly about,
0: yeah, man. It's sad. Shout out to his family in Laura London. Laura London, that's were something. they married or they were just they, no, fiance? No, they, they were engaged? They, was engaged. they oh, wow. were engaged. Oh, wow, they were engaged. So, I mean, you're looking at them planning their futures together, and everything's cracking. Thirty-three
1: years old, and gone.
0: Yeah, and it's just sad, man. You got kids out here, and your, your father escaped it, and because he stayed true and tried to show a different light, it's just sad. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll definitely thank Bobby Valentine again for joining us. Uh, sorry to end this on a, a sadder note, but it's the truth, and Nipsey deserves it. Uh, thanks for Scott Phillips for always getting on with us. We're gonna have him down. I'm actually gonna have both of them join us down. The yes, Sydney yes. told you he'll be on Second City Sports on Tuesday. I mean Thursday. So make sure you always check him out there. Uh, we don't have anything upcoming coming up that I don't know. We may have either this weekend or weekend coming up for the Dean Davis to flip. Uh, the Boiler Noise is gonna probably end up joining us. I so finally get to, to meet him. Yeah, the,
1: Yeah, the two times that I was uh, he was on, I was at a funeral for one. And I think I was out of town for one. Mm. Yeah, something like that.
0: Um, also, go back and listen to the Sean Davis interview for <laughs> the Flip. <laughs> That was pretty good. Getting people, good reviews yeah, on it. people enjoyed that. So go back and enjoy that and make sure you follow Sean and everything he's doing with his church because it was definitely a lot of positive energy in here and we definitely appreciate it.
1: Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram @dndavishow. at DN Davis Show. Once again, it's at DN Show, facebook.com forward slash and Davis Show. Hit us up on the email Show at gmail.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. Uh, other platforms, podcast platforms as well. I'm on Twitter at Demons1. Ken's on Twitter at That's Davis. Sid is on Twitter at SidKid80. Ryan's on Twitter at Ski.
0: Real quick. What's up? This is more important after what we just talked about, what we say at the end of the show. Do not do anything stupid before you hear from us, even after you hear from us again. Don't do anything stupid, y'all. We gone. Keep your
1: hands to yourself.